Hey, Ken. Hey, how's it going? It's going. Do you know what's kind of not going? Probably something that happened in current history. Google Stadia. Yeah, I had a feeling. It came out. <laughs> it's out now, I guess, if you could call it that. Uh, it released. People have it. Now, I'm not going to come forward and say that it's all bad. There are people who have played it and said it works just fine. You know, people in Los Angeles who have Fios speed internet. People with great internet are saying that it, it runs pretty smoothly. On great internet. On great internet, which half the country doesn't have. Right. More than half. Yeah, it's just people on the coast that usually have good internet. Yeah. Around here? No. Like, where we are in the middle of bumfuck nowhere? Nah. Now, another factor to uh, Stadia not probably launching well is is the launch lineup or lack thereof. Why don't you... I see you have it up there. Why don't you go ahead and read it off for me? Sure. hit me with it. Assassin's Creed Odyssey. What a new game. Which already came out. Destiny 2, which already came out. What a new game. Guilt or Giet? It's Guilt. Which I think is a new game. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a Stadia exclusive. Apparently it's all right. Okay. Just Dance 2020, That's... which is out on everything, including the fucking Wii. Yeah, new game. <laughs> Kine or Kine, which I believe is a Switch exclusive. Uh, sorry. Stadia exclusive? No. I don't know that, though. Probably not. I haven't heard anything about only, it. I think the only Stadia exclusive was Guilt, so that probably isn't. Okay. Mortal Kombat 11, which new is game. already out. New game. Red Dead Redemption 2, which is already Brand out. Brand new game. Samurai Showdown, which is already out. Brand new game. Thumper, never heard of. Rhythm game. Rhythm game. Cool game. Mobile game? No. Okay. PlayStation Switch. Tomb Raider, which is already out a lot. Really, really, really already out. It's like re-released like four times. Rise of the Tomb Raider, which is already out. And Shadow of the Tomb Raider, which is already out. But hey, at least you could play the whole trilogy on Stadia. Uh, Look at a bunch of games. This is not a good launch lineup. And I think the thing that is really going to end up being the nail in Stadia's coffin, unless they course correct is it's not literally a streaming service for games. It's not the Netflix of games, and it kind of needs to be. Right. Because you have to buy all those. You got to put down the $60 to play Assassin's Creed Odyssey if you want to. Yeah, and then... so And then you get to play it on Stadia. It's not like a $10 a month thing. Yeah, and on top it of that... It should be. Right, absolutely. And you get all of those right now. Is that kind of lineup? Yeah, absolutely. It's... <laughs> You're you're asking people to buy these games at full price again that are that have been out for like a year now at least, and some of them like Destiny Two has been out for almost two years. You got uh, what what Tomb Raider, which has been out for four. You know, like yeah. it doesn't make any sense why you'd have to buy those games individually. They're old games. Nobody wants to play those games. Shadow's only one year old, but I I I, I get what you mean. There's just nothing like if this thing launched with like for example Jedi Fallen Order on it. Then maybe some people... People who were looking to buy that game, because it came out the same... Yes. Like, around, like, four days later, Stadia came out, right? After that game released. Then you'd have people going like, oh, hey, I could, I, maybe I'll just try Jedi Fallen Order out on Stadia. But here's the thing. It's not even, like, an open platform yet. This, this, is, mm-hmm. only for, this is only the Founders Pack thing, or whatever, that came out. So it's technically in beta, I guess? 
No, they should have said that. And not everybody even has it. Like, the people who pre-ordered that Founders Pack still don't have their Stadia equipment. That's cool. This is really making a good first impression, which is important. Yeah. No, they they fucked Or else your console will die. Well, console, I say, but you know what I mean. So it launches launches with that barren-ass lineup, right? Then it launches with barren-ass features. Most of the features that were promised during that big press conference thing they did at GDC aren't there. The the stream play oh. thing, the family sharing's not there. Oh, um, achievements aren't even there. Well, this all sounds well and good. I, I bet this is gonna be a success. And that's another thing. Why the fuck would you buy a game on Stadia with this lukewarm reception happening right now? Because if I were considering it, I'd be worried that my sixty dollars is gonna be wasted. When this is no longer a service a year from now. Right. I mean, look if at, that was the case, I would have wasted $60, and I should have just bought it on PS4. Right. Look at look at uh, Google's track record with all these different things they've launched. Yeah? They shut down within like a year or two, and I'm really worried the Stadia is going to have the same fate. And it's nobody's fault but theirs. I mean, I know they're trailblazing into what kind of the fu- future is, but like, I want to be straight with you right now. There's no reason they had to launch it this year. Right. I had on live for like two months. And uh, it, it had more features on it than oh, Stadia God. currently does. On live, that thing's old. I played the I played Borderlands One on on live. It sucked. Man, it didn't work probably because my internet sucks. The only way you can get away with launching bare bones is doing something like what Epic did. You know, everybody complained about the Epic Store, but you know what? They still sold stuff because they strong-armed Steam a bit. Got exclusives. Spent some money, got games that are only on Epic and not on Steam. And while I definitely have a load of criticisms about Epic and their store, that's a good business strategy. And I think it paid off for them quite well. Absolutely. Plus the bigger cut for... Just a bigger cut to the pub slash devs. Is a bigger deal for that's Epic. a good thing for the industry. I think so. Yeah. I mean, it's in the middle of a war between two big corporations who, I guess, make video games. Still, I guess barely. <laughs> Epic literally makes Fortnite. Epic makes Fortnite, and Valve makes Half Life VR. Oh God, that's right. Yeah, that got announced. Uh, it, it's it's reveal is uh, the little time capsule thing reveals tomorrow morning. I'm gonna get up and watch it. That'll already be have happened by the time you guys listen to this. So yeah, maybe next week we'll have some opinions on that. We'll see. Do I you think it's gonna actually be a continuation of the story, or I is it gonna be a so. standalone thing? I think it's gonna be a standalone thing. I don't think it's. Gonna Why be even make it Half Life if it's not going to be a continuation of the story? Clearly, that's what all anybody wants. They're just gonna piss off people. It's all they're gonna succeed in doing. Because because of what it's called, I think it's gonna be uh, about what was happening with Alex before the events of Half Life Two. Okay. Because it because it, it, it has her name in it and all that shit. I think it's about her. You probably play as her. Right, but like before or during. Half but Life like 2. she died, and then we don't know what happens after that, right? Well, she doesn't die. No. Who died? Her dad dies. Okay, that's what it is. Yeah, she's still alive. I'm getting my game series mixed up. It's yeah. been a bit. No, it's been it's been a while since so I've cared about Half Life. Right, well, thing. it's been like a, you know a decade. It's been longer than a decade. Eleven years, actually. I think two thousand eight. So, Half Life Two episode came out. 
Oh, okay, yeah. Half-Life 2 came out like 2005. Right. Yeah. Or was it 2007? It's, it's been over a decade. Yeah. Either way. It's been too fucking long for me to care about another one. Right. Because at this point, the, 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 the possibility of a sequel has been memed into obliteration. Yeah. To the point where, unless they announce an actual sequel, I don't care. I think they've irreparably damaged that franchise to the point of people not caring about they've it. They've also irreparably damaged their uh, their reputation <laughs> their company as a developer to the point of people not caring about it. Right. They're just the people that own Steam at this point. That's that's, exactly that's, a, that's a shame. That's a shame. No, there's a really well. I mean, most of the people there who are very very talented developers are gone. Yeah. You got. I mean, you got people working on some stuff there, but none of it seems to come to fruition. They're just riding on that Steam money. For being for the longest time the only viable PC platform, I guess they don't have to do much else. No, not not with that money. We were hoping that Epic would nip at the buds a little bit, and make them improve some shit. But they haven't done anything. They do not care. That's because uh, Epic thrown up its own controversy and had and so Steam didn't have to do anything about because people are still shopping on Steam because they hate Epic because Epic is feature barren. Yeah. Here's a little hint for you guys. Um, this kind of plays back into Stadia too. Um, sometimes you just gotta wait to put your shit out. Yeah, for real. You you launch something that's feature barren, and it uh, it creates a lot of mistrust with the community. Your first impression of your product is the most important one. Yes. And if it comes out bad, you have a lot of people who will just never look at it again. And this this thing is was what is going to happen with Stadia. You have a lot of people who are now turned off of it. I mean, people were turned off of it before because they already know they can't run the internet with it, especially it's anyway a, with data caps. It's a death sentence for it. Yeah. You know, hey, maybe eventually Nintendo could have released a better version of the Virtual Boy that didn't create massive headaches and had better games on it. But you know what? The first impression was so fucking terrible that the Virtual Boy was dead on arrival. Right. This happens a lot. I don't know why they thought this was going to work. You can't just ride it out. You're going to lose money on this, and your investors aren't going to give a shit about it, and then it's going to be gone. Right. And then people bye who bye spend Stadia. their money on those games are going to lose money. But the technology... It's fascinating, but uh, Microsoft... It's going to be something that eventually takes off. Microsoft's already doing better shit with that technology than Stadia is. Yes. With Project X Cloud. So, to, like, they're doing shit where, like, it uses your Xbox... As, as a fucking data hub for Project X Cloud. That's insane. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I'm excited and looking forward to that because uh, at the worst, it's still going to be a functional Xbox. I mean, what are you going to do? Right. <laughs> but yeah, so you think about like with the, with the Scarlet when it launches and it has this X Cloud functionality and you could be like, you could be like your, your Xbox could be in your bedroom and you could be in your living room like hanging out and you could just pop open Project X Cloud on your phone Use your Xbox as a streaming as, as a streaming hub, so you you instantly like have low to no latency on this game you're playing, and you can just play it on your phone. That's wild. Stadia can't do that. Yep. Stadia won't ever be able to do that because it's just a it's just an online platform that has no games. <laughs> That has no features. And yeah, while it's added, Tomb Raider. What are you talking about? Well, while, while we're at that, it uh, uh, consumes a ridiculous amount of data, too. I, I, I saw that. It's 100 megabytes a minute. Yeah, Red Dead Redemption 2 
So Red Dead Redemption 2 is a 110 gigabyte game. Okay? Yeah. That's how much it is to install That's it. It's probably the biggest game on Stadia right now. Right. In so terms of the a, a, amount of gigabytes that the game is, right, well, I mean. Yeah. So you're not downloading it on Stadia, right? So you're just streaming it. The amount of time it takes yeah. to do Red Dead Redemption 2, which is, if you're just going through the story, it's, it's roughly like 42 hours. Uh-huh. Right? And that consumes over 250 gigs of data. People with data caps can't use Stadia. Uh, yeah, basically. Uh, don't worry about it, Jusby. People's data caps will just get raised because the technology is going to be so popular. That's what Google told me. Google told me it's all going to be all right. Hush, don't worry, little sweet child. You remember when Google was doing the thing like, oh, we're going to put fiber everywhere. <coughs> and then they, like, stopped. Everybody will have free internet. Get on this monorail. It's good. Fine. Goodbye. So one year from now, we're going to be like, hey, remember when Google, like, made a gaming platform? Remember the Nokia N-Gage? Same shit, man. <laughs> Everybody, welcome to the Gen and Jub show. That's Gen. Hi. I'm Jub. That's Jub. Welcome to the show. Today we're going to talk about Die Hard 2, a film that for the longest time I thought was called Die Hard 2, Die Harder. Or just Die Harder. Yeah, which... That's, that's not just your because, fault. No, that's, that's not the promotion material. Yeah, fault. that's their fault. Um, it just has Die Harder plastered everywhere. Bigger than Die Hard 2 on every poster. Yeah, it's really weird. Uh, every cover of the movie available is basically that poster that says Die Harder real big. Yeah, and then Die Hard 2 real small. And then Die Hard 2 way smaller. Uh, and all and to the point where some, like I don't know if they did this of their own accord, but some printing of the, of the title on the label, like the spine, says Die Hard 2 Die Harder. But that was never intended. But like now, if you go buy a DVD, it's possible that it says that for some reason. I don't even know if Fox okayed that. I think it just happens. I think that, that people think it's called Die Harder so much. Yeah, <laughs> I did. That the people making the labels on the DVD are like, it's called Die Harder, right? <laughs> Jesus Christ. But anyway. Uh, we'll get to that later. For now, you've been playing, buddy. I'm playing Batman, man. Ba- which Batman? Ba- which Batman? Arkham City. I, uh, oh, I beat it. I beat it in quotation marks. Uh, I mean, I mentioned that I was playing in a couple weeks. Now. Right. Yeah. Um, I actually have a little bit to say on these games because it's been an interesting test of my nostalgia and whether I can believe anything I think ever about something that came out ten years ago because. Uh, uh, it's it's kind of weird. It's kind of interesting. I, I I simultaneously hate and love this game more than I did in like different areas. As the story, I remember being really fucking good, really interesting, really ahead of its time, and unique for a Batman story. And then playing it now, I'm like, nah, it kind of sucks. <laughs> I think for the time, like for the time in gaming, for I the time in gaming, sure. The, yeah. the, the best narratives we had, in, as far as games went, were like Kotor Two and Mass Effect. Yeah, and 
so comparatively, like this, this those haven't aged good. as poorly as as this one has. No, I guarantee but, you. But like you think about those were like the epitome back then. So like this, like being like an, an okay Batman story, uh, got kind of like risen up and put on a pedestal. Well, there are really good parts, but I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of like tell you why I don't like it. Okay, go for it. Because uh, I do like parts of it. Because you know, obviously, this game does that ending. Spoilers for a ten year old game. Where the fucking Joker dies. And, you know, that's cool if you're a big Batman fan. If you're a big Batman fan, the Joker dying at the end of something is like, whoa, I can't believe they did that because the Joker can't die. That's crazy. But it's only crazy in that perspective. I, I think it actually makes less sense when you put it in context in the game's story itself. It kind of just is a thing. That happens and kind of like relies on you having a pre-established connection with these characters before you even turn the game on. Which, to be fair, most people that are going to be playing a Batman game do. But this was one of the biggest games of that year, uh, 2011, I believe. So so many. There were. I'm sure there was a lot of people playing it who didn't know everything about Batman. Just maybe the basics. It's obviously a sequel to Arkham Asylum, which was also a good game. They're both good games still. Oh, yeah, I'm going to shit on certain aspects of Arkham City, but I do want to make it clear that I still like the game. It's a classic, and it deserved the attention it got. But Arkham Asylum's story is incredibly simple, and Cities is complex to the point of lunacy. Yeah. Like, just off the top of your head, not having replayed these games in a long time, what's the plot of Arkham Asylum, Justin? Arkham Asylum is, oh, no, Joker took over the spooky asylum. Go fix it. That's literally the entire plot of the game. Yeah, that's the entire plot of the game. Yeah, I remember that shit, because that's easy. Arkham City, though, I... mm, Well... What's the plot of Arkham City, Justin? What's the plot? What's the... What's the... In one sentence. Can you do it in one sentence? All right, so let me see what I can remember. In one sentence... No, you can't do it in one sentence. I doubt it. It's impossible to do it in one sentence. No, because there's too much shit going on. Right, you got, like, you got shit going on with, like, like, Rachel Ghoul, like, trying to get Batman to, like, secede him, and you got, like... Mr. Freeze's wife dying, and then you got... We well, like, always got Mr. Freeze's wife right, dying. Right, but he's, like, really stressing out about it, and he kind of, like, helps you out for a little bit. It's weird to make that, like... like, Because Joker's sick, and he's trying to get, like, a cure for him because he got he infected you with the same thing, and, like, aha, we're both fucked up. I get to make the cure so we don't die. Yeah. And he's like, fuck. And he has to go yeah. do that. And, like... But that's, like, the, the last part of the game, right? Is that That's what I, that whole part's about. Yeah. So the entire beginning part of the game is about, like... Some terrorist shit with like Rachel Gore or whatever. I don't remember. See, this is the problem. You, yeah, I don't remember the first the story part of, the game. of Arkham Asylum is so simple that you remember it. It's you might not remember key details, but you don't have to because the plot of the game is Joker takes over Asylum, Batman defeats all the villains working for Joker, then defeats Joker, then game is over. <laughs> it's really simple, and it works. And it's really focused the whole time. Joker's your main villain, and he's constantly taunting you throughout the entire game. I don't know who the main villain is of Arkham City, because there are... It's it's a clusterfuck. There are so many villains doing so many different things, and none of them have a common goal. Like, all the villains at Arkham Asylum were working for Joker, and for Joker's plan. Yeah. So, your boss fights against, like, Killer Croc, Bane, and Scarecrow. They were all working for Joker. It all, like, worked out. In Arkham City, everybody's kind of, like, doing their own fucking thing and fighting each other, and Batman just has to deal with all of it all at once, and 
that could be interesting, but it really makes the story lack focus. I, it, <laughs> if Arkham Asylum's plot is just, I don't know, Batman defeats Joker, Arkham City's plot is Batman has to defeat Hugo Strange, who hypnotized the mayor, who is the warden of Arkham Asylum, but now he's the mayor, and now he's like, puts forth this plan of Arkham City to just throw all the bad people in Gotham into one area so that they can just, like, you know, fight amongst themselves in some kind of, like, walled-off area of the city that is now a super prison city. So that's already complicated. Right. But, so, Strange is making the mayor do this beyond his free will. Like, he's mind-controlling him. I forgot about this shit. And the reason he's doing any of this is Hugo Strange wants to either kill Batman or become Batman by killing him, taking his place. And the reason he wants to do that is he's secretly working for Ra's al Ghul. And because Ra's al Ghul wants a successor, and Strange wants to be Batman and wants to be the successor, but Ra's al Ghul really just wants Batman. So he kills Strange at the end of the game, and then Ra's ends up try like dying himself but then Roz doesn't die because he's Roz al Ghul probably. Right. Uh and that's all like plot A. But then there's plot B. <laughs> and plot B sometimes becomes plot A because sometimes it has more agency over the plot than the other plot. But they kind of just switch back and forth to the point where like it's hard to remember which plot you're on. Yeah, especially if you walk away from the game for a bit and then Yeah, like, for yeah. sure. And if you do some side quests and shit. Right. The other plot is Joker poisons you with the same thing that's killing him. And he's like, go make Mr. Freeze make a cure. And you're like, okay, and you do it. Then Joker steals the cure from you. Then Joker's better, but you're dying. <clears throat> then, turns out, Joker's fine, except turns out Joker had a, a grand ruse, a grand what a twist. Joker actually is still dying, just had Clayface impersonate him, so there's two Jokers. I don't understand why, but he does. <laughs> and then Batman defeats Clayface Joker, who's the final boss, not actually Joker, which is fine, because you don't want Joker to be the final boss, because then it's like Arkham Asylum where it was bad. <laughs> yeah, it's the worst part of the game, honestly. Oh, God, yeah. Um, and then, Joker die, because he tries, he, like, Batman takes his half of the cure, is gonna give the other half to Joker, but Joker, like, snatches it away, and then it breaks on the ground, and then Joker dies. And it's like, you know, I, Batman is sad about it, I guess, but it's unclear, because Batman is really aggressive and shitty and kind of stupid the whole game yeah uh like a lot of the plot doesn't really happen because of batman's agency as a character or your agency as the player a lot of the plot just happens right and that's frustrating and it's also frustrating from a a flow and a pacing standpoint because you have this ticking clock of batman is going to fucking die and then you just go and you're so so the the game is constantly shouting at you with that to go finish the story but then I think the best part of the game is actually not even doing the story, and it's all the side content. Not necessarily the 400 Riddler trophies, which is also a problem. There's way too many of those. <laughs> way too many Riddler things. An endless amount. 
more than double of what was in Asylum 1. And you could tell they knew it was a problem because they toned it down when they made the third game. But the side quests and things, which, like, you have little to no agency to do because you're dying or people are dying or, you know, you have to go save somebody. There's always something more important feeling happening. And the game's constantly pushing you towards it. So that's frustrating from a tone perspective. It feels like the game wants you to explore and wants you to have fun, but it also is screaming at you to go do the story. And that's the problem with a lot of open world games. Oh, yeah, but absolutely is. Arkham City really set that precedent, like it or not, because uh, it ended up being repeated in mass. Well, that shit happens. In, <laughs> yeah, this shit happens in plenty of open world games. I remember little funniest things in Yakuza. It's like one of one of uh, like like Kiryu's kid gets kidnapped, and like you gotta go get her. And then like, this really like like crazy music's playing. Like oh, you gotta go chase after. You know, like, oh, no, I, I'll just uh, I'll just go stop for. Uh, I'll stop at the store over here and eat a sushi. I'm gonna go play some darts. There's a. <laughs> I just heard about this today, actually, while listening to a podcast. There's a moment in Evil Within Two, where you can do uh, target range mini game yeah. shoot stuff, some kind of shooting gallery. I don't know the context really, but like, if you do all of them, if you hundred percent that mini game, the character like says to the player, "All right, I should probably get." go uh rescue my daughter now huh <laughs> like Jesus that's Christ. fantastic they do knew. it like that if that's how you're gonna do it but uh <laughs> they knew right it's great so that aspect of it frustrates me because like while there's lots of cool moments in the story like some moments with joker some moments with penguin some reveals a lot of it is convoluted and stacked on top of each other in a clusterfuck that doesn't make any sense and frustrates me as a comic book fan and a Batman fan, because yeah. it's just kind of like all over the place, and I would rather it be more focused and like better. And I know that those stories are few and far between. <laughs> I know this frustration well, not just in video games. So springing off of that, yeah. How confident are you in Rocksteady's next game? I'm actually really confident because it it goes hand in hand with the next thing I was going to say. Oh, okay, go ahead. The part I do like about the game. And the part that surprised me that I remembered being bad was all the side shit. All the side shit actually really good. I don't hate the Riddler trophies as much now, whereas in the original, when, when I originally played through this game in like 2011, I avoided them like the plague. I was like, this too is much. too much. Fuck right. that shit. And I'm usually a completionist person, you know. I mean, I, I killed all the fucking stupid pigeons in GTA 4 of my own accord. You know, I'm that kind of person. You're a madman. <laughs> Now I kind of dig them because, like, unlike any other hidden packages in a game, they're on your map, you know where they are, and then they, you just do a little puzzle and you get it. And some of those puzzles are dumb and bad, admittedly, but some of them are fun, some of them are cool. Some of them, uh, you know, there's good aha moments when you figure some of them out. You're like, yay, I got it. And not a lot of games really replicate that for me, because most of the time it's just like, alright, let me look up on the internet where this one is. All right, I got it. All right, let me look up on the internet where the next one is. All right, I got it. And there's just no... There's no gameplay to getting those. This series kind of fixed that in a way for open world games. And then it was really perfected, in my opinion, with Spider-Man. Yeah. Spider-Man does it way better. It's even. absolutely the best superhero video game, in my opinion. Yeah, it's up there. Yeah, I, I, I hope they... Uh, City, for sure. 
Oddly enough, with the things that people complain about in Arkham Knight, I actually think it's the superior game to City now. Because it, despite the Batmobile shit, which kind of weighs it down pretty hard, story is better. There are some bad inconsistencies, but I think overall it is. And that kind of stuff is better. But it's less fun to play. Well, because of the Batmobile shit, I would say. Right, it's but very it's, it's, such a, it's such a core part of this main story. You spent a lot of time in the Batmobile. Yeah, I agree, and it's kind of an issue. It's a big so issue. City is probably better, actually. That's not quite the statement I wanted to make. but From story perspective, you'd say it From certain better. perspectives, and a world-building one. Like, Rocksteady really nails the worlds, and that's, like, their best quality with these games, is the level design and shit. Yeah. And they make the open world not feel quite so empty, even though it's really empty, because there's no, like, civilians and shit. It's, it's pretty good. They nail that part really well. But they nailed their next project. I really hope they do, even though I don't know, I have no idea what it is. But I think when you do these three games, they want to do something different, probably, that isn't this. I, 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 I know it's not Batman. You know it's not Batman. They're well, we're getting Batman. a Batman game anyway, regardless of what they're making, yeah, I'm from, sure. I think from uh, the same guys that made, uh, what is it? Uh, Arkham, Arkham Origins. Yeah, yeah which kind of worries me a bit because that's apparently like the black sheep of the franchise. I've uh, never no. tried it. That game gets a bad rep. I think it's actually pretty good. Yeah. Well, things I've seen about it, I wonder it's if... Like, uh, there. I think there's things I will like about it when I do eventually play it, because I do want to, and things I won't like about it. Like Boss a, fights, yes. World building, no, is right. basically what I'm looking at when I look at that game. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like, in, in, in a trilogy of like 8 to 9 out of 10, it's like a 7. I'm okay with that, I yeah, suppose. I like the gameplay loop. I like playing as Batman. Yeah, and it's a very similar gameplay loop. So yeah. like, you'll enjoy that part of it very much. And I think, I think, I think they nailed boss fights a lot better than Rocksteady did. Rocksteady always kind of struggle with their boss fights. Well, one of the biggest complaints I had when Arkham Knight came out was there's no boss fights. But then in replaying City, I'm like, oh wait. Their boss fights weren't even that good. No, they were. They weren't. Good the only boss good fights. boss fight in Arkham Knight is Mister Freeze, right? And it's an ex. I mean, sorry, in Arkham City, that and it's cool. an excellent boss fight because it actually makes you think about Batman's abilities because you can only use them once on him, and then you have to do some other way to attack him because Mister Freeze literally learns, right? Because he's a smart boy, uh, and that made it a fascinating boss fight that isn't just a okay so the game tells you to hit solomon grundy this way and then you win <laughs> like right. it's you know clayface is a laughable final boss that was very easy it's terrible yeah so but uh, never been good at that yeah i don't think so they have their moments with those kind of things but like uh, it's kind of su surprising to me now that i'm like well maybe they thought to just take them out because they weren't good at making them. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's actually possible. They just refocus things on the better Batman gameplay, but then they tried the Batmobile stuff and then that didn't work at all. Right. So hopefully they can do something different with the sequel. I don't know what it is. I doubt you're going to be playing as Batman for the whole thing. Uh, there's rumors that it's going to be about all the other uh, people. Robins, your Nightwings, your possibly jason todd's your i don't know maybe batgirl i think batgirl's oracle in this universe so i don't know but yeah like in the comics they did that she just got over being paraplegic and then just goes to be back to being batgirl again jesus christ well you know that that happens it's yeah, stupid i know 
Just like Jason Todd got over being shot in the head. Or, well, no, beaten to death and exploded. Sorry, not shot in the head. Yeah, he's all right. Yeah, and he's fine now. Right. Batman also broke his back. He's fine now. It's all good. Nothing lasts at all, you know. No one's ever really gone. (laughs) (laughs) It's comics, you know. So, yeah, when I'm done with City, I'm going to play Night because I own that as well. And then maybe Origins because I think I own that. I think I bought that for PS3 a year ago <laughs> and haven't played it. I'll play Origins last because uh, I really want to revisit Night and see how I feel about it now. Because I actually want to know which one of these games I do like the, bo- the most. Because right now, I'm sort of leaning towards City still being the best one, but... The inconsistencies make me maybe lean towards Arkham Asylum being the superior one of these games. Even though it's incredibly different and a lot of the gameplay isn't as refined, it's still the most consistent across the board. Right. Is is possibly what I'm trying to say here. Yeah. Just the story isn't so crazy that it's hard to understand. The gameplay is fine. It's just not as good as City. And the environments are still immaculate and creepy. Uh, yeah, do a good job. I think that's possible. All right, my What did turn. you play this week? An actually new game? Yeah. Wow! <laughs> so, <coughs> all right, guys, Ooh, I, played, yeah. I played Pokemon, okay? Now, if you remember last week... Oh, we talked about Pokemon last we week. We went on a pretty big tirade, and uh, I got the game, and I started playing it, Sword, and, not shield. Right, I got okay. sword. Not a lot of my complaints are kind of still valid with this game that I talked about last week. Where Game Freak hasn't really learned a whole lot from all of these years of doing Pokemon. Where their gameplay systems are basically still the same with some weird-ass gimmick involved in it. You still have your, your same formula of progressing through the game. You have basically all their online infrastructure is still trash. So a lot of those problems are still present in Sword and Shield. But that set aside as a Pokemon game and knowing what these Pokemon games are going in, if you, if you like Pokemon, you will enjoy this game. A lot. I think I had, despite all of that, I had a sh- I'm having a shit ton of fun playing this game. And I'm not, I'm not done with it yet. I'm I'm just about at the end of it. I'm doing like the final fight in the game. Uh, well, I was about to get it to start it before we started recording today, and I'm probably gonna do it after we're done recording today. So I'm gonna get that story done. Hell yeah, dude! Beat the guy with the thing. The guy with the cape with the G fuel the G fuel advertisement on. <laughs> oh fuck! All right. He's got sponsors and shit. It's not actually G fuel, but. Oh okay. It's not Monster Energy Drink. (laughs) It's not Ride with Norman Reedus. No. Okay. Uh, I can't believe that's a Death Stranding. I can't either. I cannot believe he chose to shill for his own show and not The Walking Dead. Like, AMC didn't give him, like, to just just put The Walking Dead out there, man. No, no, fuck him. It's funny funny as hell to me. I don't know how much longer he's on that show, if I'm being honest. The Walking Dead? Forever. Dude, they're going to give him so much money to make sure he's the main character for the rest of all time. They're going to give him so much money. He's not going to say no. He likes being on that show. Oh, okay. Well, then never mind. Anyway, Pokemon. They gave him a beefier role and everything. That's fine. 
So everybody by now knows the controversy going into Sword and Shield, where you know you have, you have, the, you have the whole Dexit thing, <laughs> right? And we already said before that it's not a huge of a deal for me as long as they made enough quality of life changes to make up for it, and they kind of did like a half step, like we talked about before. That that this franchise always does. Yeah, it's kind of frustrating. One step forward, one step back. It's not yeah. even two steps. It's just one step back. They just keep going. So right they just they don't went. move. Right. They just stand still. They, they change one thing, but then other shit's worse. They make one thing better, and then a couple other things get worse. Every single fucking so, time. So, what's better? All right, what's so, worse? All right, let's start with the good. Okay. I like, I like starting what's with the good. What's better? All right, so I love all the new Pokemon. I think their choice for the decks is fantastic. Is that better or just... I think, well, you know what? No, this is the best job they've done with a full generation of Pokemon in a long time. Without having played the game, just looking at the designs of the creatures that I've seen... This is strange. Best since Gen 5. I agree. Black and white really intrigued me when it came out. And actually... Because, like, I didn't give a shit about Gen 4. I didn't care to play it. It was alright. But I wanted to play Gen 5 because it was, like, new 150. They all looked based. Yeah. There's a fucking ice cream. I want to play as that. Right. It's trash. This, I want to play as garbage. That sounds fun. Yeah, this generation has like a similar outlook on that where they're just like, let's go crazy Yeah. with the Pokemon we make. And it pays off in dividends, I think. Every single new Pokemon I encounter in that game, I'm like, oh my god, what the fuck is that? And I start... Yeah, almost every single one I've seen I love. I look at it, I'm like, this is super cool. They got like, there's more interesting typing combinations in the game. Uh, there's a few Pokemon that have some wild-ass abilities, like the the one bird Pokemon that just, like, picks shit up out of the water. Oh, okay. Yeah, it, what it does is, it, like, if, if you use an ability that goes into the into the ground, so like you could use, like, Dive or whatever, right? Yeah. And he goes into the water, comes back up, and hits you. Yeah. He'll come out with something in its mouth. Oh, shit. Now, usually it's, like, a water, like a, like a fish Pokemon in its mouth, right? Okay. And then when he gets hit, it spits it back out at you. But something I discovered is, uh... One time, it did it, and it came back up, and it had a fucking Pikachu in its mouth. And it was what? squirming around, <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck? It's gonna I, eat that Pikachu. And then I hit it, uh-huh. and it spat the Pikachu out of me, and it paralyzed me. Oh. Yeah. Um, okay. It spat a whole Pikachu at me. The crazy-ass designs like that. There's this, uh, there's this amazing, uh, there's this amazing little uh, bug ice Pokemon, uh, called Snom. And it's it's adorable yeah. as fuck. It's just like a little 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 buggy, and it has ice cased around it, and it like moves really slow. And like, you have a, a thing called Pokemon Camp in the game, where you 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 make a campsite and all your Pokemon around. You can play with them and stuff, and then also cook curry. Uh huh. Which uh, the main base of that is like you can heal your Pokemon while you're out in the road, like all of them at once. Yeah. And then also uh, you can make them like you more. Which, sure. as with the past few generations, having your Pokemon like you is super important because you get perks Yeah, for they it. had all the things where you tap the Pokemon and pet them. Right. Massage. Yeah, that's... Machoke. Yeah, thankfully there's no creepily. massage in these games. Yeah. It's just like toys and stuff. You get to play with them and that's, talk to them. That's cool. Which is much better than the, the Poke-A-Me thing or whatever it was last gen. Yeah, I, I didn't want to use it that often. Yeah, because it wasn't really that practical where yeah. this is actually has a practical use. Right. Because you want to get your Pokemon to like you more, but then also you can <coughs> heal your entire party by cooking. Mm-hmm. So it makes okay. sense. It also gives berries a good use now, too. Instead of you just having a million fucking berries in your inventory that you just God, don't I use. I barely use berries right. in Pokemon. Now you use them to make curry. 
Okay. And, and depending on what berries you put in, they have different effects on your Pokemon, what, how much they heal, what they heal, all that stuff. And then you have a thing called the Curry Dex, which gives you information. The Curry you, Dex? Yeah, it shows you everything that you've made. I swear and it shows to God. You which ones are better, which ones are they worse. Always, they always don't listen to anybody, and they come up with their own new feature. Yeah, absolutely. That is every time. insane. Right. Every time they do this. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think Pokemon Camp's a good feature in the game. I think it's... uh. But the Curry stuff is kind of weird. Yeah, he's fine. It's interesting. I don't see him coming back to it. No. This is one of those things that's only in this one. Right. I, I have laughed a lot at there's this little animation when like you eat the curry. Yeah. And then the Pokemon reacts to it. Or doesn't, depending on which Pokemon is there. Yeah. Like I saw one that was Shedinja and it just doesn't do anything. It's Shedinja. It does it, its face never moves. It's just blankly staring at you as you eat this curry. It was kinda creepy. Yeah, well Shedinja is a creepy it. Pokemon. Very He's skinned. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's fucking crazy. But I anyway, Shedinja's great. Yeah, I'm glad he's in this game. Yeah, uh, which is Pokemon Camp's cool. I actually like it, right? But the reason I meant brought that up in the first place because when uh, you call you call your Pokemon, you would call Snom to you. He's such a little baby and he has uh -huh. trouble moving, so he just like kind of wanders towards you very slowly. <laughs> And it's hilarious. Okay. He's like so excited to see you and come up to you and talk to you, but he's moving. But it like, takes a year. It takes. Yeah. But I swear to God, I called. He was like on the other end of the camp, and I called for him, and it took. I swear to God, a minute and a half for him to get to me. <laughs> it was so funny. God. And there's like some random shit that'll happen. Like the one time I opened up Pokemon Camp, and like it was just really zoomed in on one of my Pokemon's faces. Okay. Like way too zoomed in, and then he like. Smiled at me and it zoomed back out, and then it goes back at the Pokemon Camp thing. Okay, it's fucking weird. The animations. So we're talking about uh, to move over to animations real quick. Mm -hmm. So you know, a lot of people when this game you probably saw it all over when the game came out, people complain about animations. There's no animations. They right. just reuse the Sun and Moon ones or they whatever. They put all of their work into animations into the Pokemon Camp shit. The Pokemon are the most. This is the real that. reason why they only brought over like four hundred. Right, because they made unique yeah. animations in for movement. all four hundred. Right in yeah. this in this specific screen, they should is, have been more clear. Right about why, because th the controversy. It isn't their fault. Hashtag Game Freak Live. But their lack of communication regarding right. this matter, which might have just been like translation barrier kind of shit but who knows i, I kind of just think this wouldn't have got blown out of proportion if they were just like look we really wanted to focus on this new feature where your pokemon are out and about in this camp wandering around we wanted to design animations for all these pokemon and designing that for 900 of them would prove really difficult for our team so we focused on just 400 and we hope you like them or something like that right i, I think that would have really been better damage control than just like i don't know whatever they said or didn't say right. Um, they, yeah, each each Pokemon has their own unique animations, behaviors, and stuff inside this inside Pokemon Camp. Yeah, uh, there's some great ones like Wooper. Wooper is great in this game. Wooper. I love Wooper. Wooper's been a great Pokemon since Gen Two when it came out, and Wooper and Quagsire and all that shit. Wooper's such a dumb looking, funny Pokemon. I love it. And if you call it, that motherfucker just hops. <laughs> And, like, swings his body, because he has no arms. So he just swings his body back and forth, like, jumping towards you. You got a Wobbuffet. So 
Yeah, I got a Wobba Fett. That's Wobba Fett move. I have not tried it. I am very curious, actually. Yeah, I haven't too. thought about it. I mean, it has legs. It'll walk. Does Snorlax move towards you, or does it just not? waddles. I want him to not move. <laughs> I want him to just acknowledge your presence and then just. Me great that like half the time he's just sleeping. I would hope it'd be like that. I haven't caught a Snorlax yet. Okay. There's a lot of the decks I'm still missing. Even though, like, every route I went into, I stopped and caught a bunch of shit. There's still... It still feels like there is a holy fuck ton of Pokemon in this game. Because 400 Pokemon is a lot. It's a fucking lot. At the end of the day, I think that is the big takeaway that people kind of ignore. Like, people are... Just saying, why aren't all the Pokemon in it? They only brought over half. Sounds bad. That's a lot. But there's 400 in the game. It's a lot. That's dude. still a lot of work to it, do it to feels catch like a shit everything. Ton. Yeah, like I'm gonna try to make a living decks. It's cool in, in this one because it's it's the start of like a a new like section of Pokemon, and I guarantee you from this point forward they're gonna using Pokemon Home. You're gonna be able to bring everything forward into the new games. So I want to start my living decks now, right, and get it done. Yeah. So then the next game I can just bring that over, and then I have like 400 Pokemon. And it's like an achievement I could keep going with me, you know? Yeah, I bet with the next game, or gen, or maybe not even gen, maybe like whatever the third or sequel game is, because yeah. they started doing those instead. Um, they don't always do one, I don't know. I don't know what their deal is over there. I don't know, man. Gen um, 1 had three games, Gen 2 had three games, Gen 3 had three games. Right. Four had three games. Yes, five didn't. Five just had, had sequel. sequels. Right, a sequel, black and white. Two, Six really didn't good. have shit. Right, X and Y. What was a remake after that? Yeah, that's why I guess. But then seven with Sun and Moon did have sequels. Yeah. Well, so I guess the last two that they did anything for had sequels. So maybe it's more reasonable to expect Sword and Shield two than mm-hmm. Pokemon Gun or whatever the third one would be called. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think so. I think that'll be what happens. But uh, I don't know. I, I enjoy this game a lot. I, the, the choices they made for the Pokedex are fucking wild. They, it, they went out and they were like, let's pick the weird ones. Let's put the weird Pokemon. They definitely picked the weird ones. And I'm glad. I'm okay with it. I love the weird Pokemon. I embrace them far more than just like the regular ass like stupid fucking bird Pokemon or whatever. They picked the weird ones, and also Pikachu and Charizard. Well, because, you know, yeah, they're going to be in every game. Pikachu and Charizard are going to be in every Pokemon game. Yeah, forever. they're like the most popular Pokemon, yeah. basically. Those are the two most long, popular By Pokemon. a large margin. Yeah. And after that, it's probably like Bulbasaur and Eevee. <laughs> Surprised they didn't bring over Bulbasaur and Squirtle. Bulbasaur's wireframes in the game, because it's the base that they use for every Pokemon. Uh, there's That's also more Pokemon coming. There's already, Have they confirmed? There's that? data for other Pokemon in the that game. Like their in the models game. are there. Okay. And everything. Uh, what I think is supposed to happen is those are Pokemon uh, that you're gonna be able to get from Pokemon Home. Oh, okay. And put in there, like uh, one of them is Decidueye. Okay. The, uh, the okay. Bird Ghost. I mean, the, the Grass Ghost Pokemon from last gen, the starter. Uh, there's a few others too. There's I think it's like 32 of them. That they're going to eventually bring over. Interesting, okay. So far, but they might do more. I, they will I'm probably do more. I'm convinced that they're going to spend a lot of time, like... Because now that with the with the Switch and actually being able to consistently update games well, I think they're going to gradually bring more Pokemon into the fold. Yeah. Which will be fine. I think they're going to spend the time making these crazy, unique animations for the for the Pokemon Camp thing. And that'll be fun to play around with. 
But it does make the sacrifices they made to make Pokemon Camp really cool kind of made the core gameplay of the game suffer a little bit. Like, the actual battles kind of look dumb, like I always have. <laughs> Except, like, you're in the next gen of Pokemon, and they look the exact same as they did in Sun and Moon. Yeah, like, you know, it's like, use Shockwave, and then your Pokemon just goes, like, boop, and jumps up, and right. then it's just like, that's it. Same thing. Yeah. It looks the exact same, because they use the same shit from Sun and Moon, but retextured it. Now, a lot of the new Pokemon have, like, special moves, that they use, and then their animations are different. Yeah. Especially the starters have some really cool ones. The legendaries have some really cool ones. Where they act completely uniquely. But then, then you'll do, like, body slam, and the, the model will, without actually moving itself, just spring up in the air and fall on top of the other Pokemon. Okay. Cool. So, like, there's stuff that's, like, kind of half-assed. Yeah. Which, like I said, one step forward, one step back for good old Pokemon. The overworld looks great. Par for the course. Yeah, the the uh, it it feels big. Okay. Which is good now that you have this these new generation Pokemon games. The the towns don't have to feel small anymore. They can feel like you're in an actual town, and they yeah. do that. They pull that off really, I, really I was, well. Uh, I was okay with the locales in Sun and Moon, but I didn't feel like it was that big. Right. This game yeah. gives you that, okay. especially with the wild area. Which yeah, those are huge, big. right? Yeah, that's the other big gimmick of the game. Okay. Is you have it's uh it's one area in the game it's between it's between the second and third town in the game you get to it really early but it it expands you expand on it as you get through the game and you can okay. go to more areas of it without getting your ass kicked because there's Pokemon of all levels there oh you can walk in the wrong space and fight like shit that's like level forty when your Pokemon are like level twelve oh well get the fuck out of there yikes right all right. So you That's like late game content. Right. Okay. So as you get later in the game, you can go to more areas of it, and then you learn how to surf on the water, you can go to the water, you can go across the water in it, you know, shit like that. Okay. It's really cool. It's massive. There are Pokemon everywhere. All different kinds of Pokemon fucking everywhere. There's there's sections of it that have ice Pokemon, there's ghost Pokemon, there's a section for ghost Pokemon by a little graveyard thing. There's a section where there's just a bunch of birds. Like, there's... You go to places... So, every kind of type of Pokemon in the game is in there, you think? Most of them. Okay. I think most of the Pokemon you're looking for in the game will be there. At least a good chunk of them. Especially through the last feature, I guess I'll talk about, um, called Raid Battles. Okay. Which are... It's an online component? Yes. This is an online multiplayer component. Where you and either a couple of your friends or people you could find online, up to four of you... Go do what is essentially a boss battle against a very large Pokemon. Okay. So let's say like you you there'll be like a little like like red glowing geyser thing you'll click on, and it'll pop up on your screen like hey this is a this is a max raid battle what they're called, and you'll have like a little silhouette of a Pokemon in a who's that Pokemon style. With, uh, it's Pikachu! With the types above it. Right. So you know what type it is, and you have a silhouette of the Pokemon. You're like, you're going to fight this thing. You're like, okay. And then you go into the battle, and you see what the Pokemon is, and it's really big. And you have to fight it. And okay. And it hurts. It's hard it's to do, so you got to do it as a team. Right, especially the higher-ranked ones. Okay. The higher-ranked ones are really fucking hard. Um, but then on top of that, then you have a chance to catch the Pokemon. But it's Pokemon. It's a chance to catch that Pokemon. It's not guaranteed. You Oof. throw your you throw your ball at it and you hope you catch it. If you don't catch it, it runs away. And then you have to do it again. But it rewards you with a whole load of items when you beat it. Catch the Pokemon or not. So you it's worthwhile whole... to do even if you don't catch it. Yeah, you get TMs and shit. 
You oh, get, okay. Yeah, you get like that's pretty based good. on the type of the Pokemon you beat. You get all kinds of like you get EXP candies, which are like rare candies, which just give you a, a certain amount of experience instead of a whole level. Oh, that's nice. Mm-hmm. That's better because uh... yeah, rare candies are still in the game too. Okay, but like you have both of them now, so you can like give them a, if you only need a little bit of experience to put it to its next le- next level. Do you want to get it there? You just use a few of those EXP candies. and then use rare candy when it matters more. Right? Yeah, and sure. you get more out of it. Yes. That makes sense. That's yeah, it's, good. it's really cool in that aspect. Uh, there's all kinds of items you get from doing that. It's really cool. So all in all, I've rambled on for a while here. Pokemon Sword and Shield, I'd say, is a good game. Yeah, that's okay. I did that with the Batman game. Right. You know, hey, that's what we do here. We ramble, and you fall asleep, and you don't listen to our next episode. Right. <laughs> so if you like, I guess I can only recommend it to people who already like Pokemon. Because really what this does is just kind of like expands on some stuff that was presented in Sun and Moon a little bit. That's basically every Pokemon game right. to me. I don't know if you're going to get it if you don't get it already. Yeah, if you don't already like Pokemon or they don't think that there's nothing new in this that's going to make you like the re- it. Well, the reverse of that is if you're the person that will like Pokemon, you can start literally anywhere. Yeah. It's just a question of if you already didn't like it, it's not going to win you over. No, because they yeah. haven't done anything significant enough to do that. It's still the same right. formula. It's the same same systems, just with some new features, and some good features, and some great new Pokemon. That the biggest highlight of the game is the new Pokemon for sure. They are fantastic. It looks like it. Yeah. I don't want to give a whole lot of them away because I want people to see them for themselves. I um, I made the very great decision of not knowing shit going into this game, besides what the base form starters look like, and I saw Surfetched. And then the Weezing. The stuff yeah. they officially shown, I saw. Outside of that, I didn't see any leaks or anything like that. That's so cool. Every Pokemon surprised me. I like memes too much to do that. And I'm also not going to play this game for a long time. So I, I've seen a lot of them already. Yeah, including uh, the one Legendary I just caught, which is fucking crazy. Oh, I just saw that while you were doing it. I haven't seen it yet. I haven't looked into the Legendaries yet. I haven't looked at the whole Pokedex just in front of me. I've just seen them through Osmosis on Twitter, basically. Right. Um, that Mr. Mime evolution... Yeah, don't tell me what it is. I want to see Oh, I, I love it. I never thought they'd make me like something related to Mr. Mime. Oh, God. But I do. I really do. And I want it. And I want it on my team when I play that game. We oh, get yeah. there. We get there someday. Hell yeah, dude. I have to steal money and buy a Switch first. You can use my Switch technically and just use your profile, I think. That's possible. Maybe, Maybe down the line. I gotta play all these dumb Batman games from the year 2011 first. Oh, fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah. I am gonna play Arkham Knight. I'm looking forward to it. Oh, fuck Let's it. see if I still hate the Batmobile stuff. I I'm probably sure still hate the Batmobile it's stuff. It's not good, I'll tell you that. Well, I'm, uh, you know, they, they, uh, they like, low-key fixed the game forever with that DLC that adds a bunch of boss fights to the game that's apparently really good. Any good boss fights? Yeah, apparently they added, like, five or six villains to the, the quests that you can do throughout the game and all those storylines lead to boss fights against the characters I'm pretty sure a lot of characters that were missing from the game like Mr. Freeze and other stuff like that that's neat Um, I didn't know that which will probably just add to the clusterfucky nature that that game has I don't think it's as bad as cities because at least the two main villains are working together in Arkham Knight at least that makes sense (laughs) The, the main villains in city are just they're all in the same location and that's it that's about it. Right. That's about it. Oh, also, playing as Catwoman is kind of dumb. 
Uh, I forgot to bitch about this, and I do want to bitch about this a little bit. I make it quick that we're dying hard. That's fine. That's fine. Catwoman was like a weird DLC day one for yeah. Arkham City, and it set a terrible precedent for video games as a whole for like years. Pre-order bonus. It was a... It's... No. It was just included in the game if you bought it physically. Right? Yeah. If you didn't... It was like an anti-piracy thing. Like, you had to have this code that comes in the game. Like, a little sheet came with the game. It was like, put this code in, you unlock Catwoman. If you bought the game used, guess what, bitch? That code don't fucking work, and you don't get to play as Catwoman. You gotta buy it separately. EA was doing that shit for about a year by the time this game came out. Now, that's no longer an issue. If you buy Return to Arkham... You get Arkham Asylum, you get Arkham City, and you get all the DLC associated with them all packed in. So that's not an issue anymore. Catwoman is part of the story. She just has no agency in the story at all. It is just bullshit. It is it is DLC in every sense of the word. They made it seem like it mattered, and then they pulled that bullshit on you where it was like, haha, if you want to get it, you better actually buy our game. You better buy it new. You better buy it new. <coughs> Fuck that shit. Never do that again, please. It's gone by the wayside because uh, they everybody figured out that nobody liked it. Yeah, well, I think stuff that happened with Arkham Knight probably convinced them of that more. Hopefully, Arkham Knight had a really bad PC launch that uh, tarnished the game's reputation really hard, and its DLC was terrible. Yeah, at least initially, that uh, DLC that adds actual boss fights and stuff to the main game is good. But before that, they did all these like really short, expensive story packs yeah, I with single those. characters, yeah. and they were a rip off, and they got hella criticized for that shit. Downright predatory. <laughs> so hopefully they don't do that shit when they make I don't know Superman, I don't know Harry Potter, I don't know what the fuck's Rocksteady making. What's your prediction? Oh god, I have no idea. I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's a superhero game. Do you not think it's related to DC at all? I think it's a new IP. New IP? Yep, from Rocksteady. Not a licensed game. Right. Do I want that from Rocksteady? I do. Well, I think, I think they it can depends. Play. It depends. They need to come I think I appreciate how much they can realize a world of us established IP that I kind of wanted them to do other ones. Yeah, like, I if they made a Harry Potter game, you bet it'd be the best fucking Harry Potter game ever made. Tell you what. <laughs> yeah. There were rumors that that leaked Harry Potter game was them, but then that didn't happen, right? Right. It got canceled. That actually got canceled? As far as I know, yeah. It looked good, though. Oh, well. Now, maybe it wasn't. I don't know. Who knows? Unfinished game. Unfinished game. Are you ready? To die real fucking hard? Yeah, I guess so, because any other stuff I would want to talk about, I don't think you've fucking seen yet, you pleb. I have not seen any of that... Let's just get Watchmen. Right. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. Mandalorian? I haven't seen it yet. What are you, some kind of idiot? I'm just busy. <laughs> Please watch Watchmen. I don't give a fuck if you watch The Mandalorian. Although I do like it, but I don't give a fuck. Please watch Watchmen. I'm going to. My, I'm, I have HBO now for now, um, <laughs> but it's running out uh, in two weeks. Oh, fuck. When does That's Watchmen how end? I'm watching it with your brother. <laughs> when does Watchmen end? Is nine episodes? They just aired episode five. Yeah, so you're gonna you're gonna have to find some way to watch the last like three episodes. I'll talk to Josh. Piracy time. 
I Josh just no. might buy a month. Josh was thinking about it. Anyway. I think uh, him and his boyfriend want to watch uh, his Dark Materials as well. Uh, yeah. Which I don't know if that's even good, but I haven't heard nothing about him. I don't know. I haven't heard a damn thing. I have no, no idea. All right, again, it's time. It's time yeah. to die hard. Or die hard two happened. Why is it? Why is it called Die Hard? You think? That's a really good question. You know, because I looked. I mean, I know that. Uh, well, okay. Kojima taught me as much that Die Hard means, you know, dying for your country or some bullshit like that. Yeah. So I guess in the first movie. It refers to the terrorists, right? But not Bruce Willis? Right. See, that's the thing, though, is because it's Bruce Willis's franchise. Decidedly so. Right. But I think when they made the first one, I don't think, I don't, they weren't ready to make a franchise out of it, as, as you do. No, they really weren't. But, but I tell you what, life comes at you fast, and they, uh, they put this one in fast-tracked it into production. Die Hard came out in 1988. Mm-hmm. This came out in 1990. That's two years. That's yeah. pretty short. It's right. a pretty short turnaround. Now, obviously, we live in an era now where there's like five Marvel movies every year, so it's a little different. But like now, it's like you know, God, think about how long it took them to make like sequels back then. Usually, it's like minimum three years. It's like three years between like New Hope and Empire and Jedi. Yeah. Each, I'm pretty sure. Right. You know, that's that's kind of a long wait <laughs> back then. Three years, fuck. So two years was a pretty quick turnaround, and. uh I think it kind of shows that they put it together a little quick. I there's think some, so. Uh, there's some technical hiccups in this movie. <sighs> but it's not bad. No. It's, it's not. not ter- it's it's a lot cheesier than the first one. It's a lot schlockier. It's a lot stupider. It's nowhere near as good or nowhere near as iconic. But I, it's not a bad movie. No, it's fun. It's not even that significant of a step down. No. It's just... It's a... They got rid of a lot of, like, the more nuanced, interesting, and, like, big drama sections of Die Hard 1. They got rid of basically all the drama, except for, like, one scene, and then it doesn't work. (laughs) Right. I'm still laughing thinking about it. And they replaced all of it with bullshit. And goddamn The bullshit's fun. I love it. I love all the bullshit in this movie. It's so much fun. All right. So... Yeah, hit me with it. The script was once again written by your boy Stephen E. D'Souza, uh-huh. the Street Fighter Man. Yes. <laughs> he knows how to write some shock. But on. also was written by first-time screenwriter Doug Richardson. Oh, shit. Doug got hired to write the sequel only a few weeks into the first Die Hard's theatrical run. It was in theater for two weeks, and they were like, hey, you want to write the sequel to this movie that's out what? right now? And he was like, uh, yeah, uh, sure. uh, okay. <laughs> now, uh, this man, I think, is pretty good at writing some legendary bombastic action. Yeah. And that would be proven to be the case when he wrote these two legendary bombastic action films later in his career. Bad Boys... Mm-hmm. And welcome to Mooseport, the most balls-to-wall <laughs> action film I've ever seen in my life. I remember his name. Ray Romano he... goes fucking off in that movie. He kills twenty-nine people. I remember that man's name because of Bad Boys. I don't know if I. I, don't, I, I haven't gone too far into this on this show before, but I'm a big Bad Boys fan. 
Oh God! I like. I like. <laughs> You're gonna make us put it on the wheel, aren't you? I like Bad Boys One and Two. I like them a lot. Bad Boys for Life, which should be the title of the fourth one, uh, is coming out right? Or is yeah. it Forever? Wait, what's the title of the Boom Bad Boys? I think it's Bad Boys for Life. I think it's for Life. It should be a number four Life. The third one should be called something else. You know they're gonna make four, right? Yeah. Unless they die at the end of three. We'll see what happens. I doubt Will it. Smith dies, LMAO. <laughs> yeah, right. They're old as fuck in this movie. It's funny. It, who cares? Will Smith can be young in that movie where he fights himself as a young person. Oh my God, Gemini, man. They're just going to start de-aging all actors. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Everybody yeah. can be baby John So anyway, that, that's how I knew that screenwriter's names, because I remember him being attached to Bad Boys. Similar. Similar kind of Michael Bay ass films yeah. here. No, yeah, it's, it's Bad Boys is just fucked up, stupid, schlocky action, mm-hmm. and that is exactly what Die Hard Two with is. some quips, right? Yeah, that's exactly what Die Hard Two is. <sighs> yeah, it's the same thing. So the screenplay is an adaptation of Fifty Eight Minutes, which is a nineteen eighty seven novel by Walter Wager. Novels about a cop stopping terrorists from holding an airport hostage, just like Die Hard 2 ended up being. In the book, Frank Malone is the name of the cop. Jesus Christ. And he is trying to rescue his daughter, not his wife. Now, this sounds kind of similar to what happened last time, but there, there is no relation to Roderick Thorpe's uh, novel, Nothing Lasts Forever, which Die Hard 1 was based on. Right. Um, now, the title refers to how Frank only has 58 minutes before the planes run out of fuel and crash. I don't think they gave a time frame in Die Hard 2. They, like they just kind of let it ride. Yeah. They said two hours, which uh, is the length of the film. Okay, then that works. Good thing the film's not 58 minutes long. It's probably good. probably good call. Yeah. That's why, I think that's why they said two hours. <laughs> now let's talk about the director. And I wrote way too much about this. Oh, boy. Not, 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 not in a he's in jail now perspective like Die Hard 1. <laughs> I'm just saying... This 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 made me laugh a lot today. Uh, this film is directed by Rennie Harlan. Uh-huh. Uh, before this, he directed Nightmare on Elm Street 4. Uh, so maybe we'll talk about him again on Gen and Jub eventually. I definitely want to watch those at one point. <sighs> he would later direct such films as Cliffhanger. <laughs> Hell yeah, pimp! And Deep Blue Sea. Oh, oh <laughs> banger! Now I want to talk about how I'm not sure what the record is because I don't really follow this that much. But Rennie here has been nominated for Worst Director by the Golden Raspberry Awards five times. He's got to hold a record on that one. I, I he really has to. I'm sure they have nominated Michael Bay a lot. Five times. Now? Five times is a lot. That's They've had to lot. nominate you ball a lot too, huh? If you have to think. Yeah, but like whenever he releases a film, you should nominate that guy. Right, because he's trash. <laughs> yeah. So these are the films he got nominated for the worst director for. I'm just Hit gonna go up. over them real briefly. Hit me up. The Adventures of Ford Fairlane in 1990. I have no idea. What this that is. is an Andrew Dice Clay vehicle. Oh. That's why you didn't hear about. it. <laughs> Uh, it bombed hard. Yeah. Remy won Worst Director this time in a tie with the film Ghosts Can't Do It, which sounds like an intriguing film. You know what? <laughs> How about Ghosts Yucking? <laughs> Ghosts Can't Yuck. 
uh, Cutthroat Island in 1995. Oh, okay, yeah, I know that movie. You know that movie? I know that Do movie. Do you know it because it holds the Guinness World Record for biggest box office flop of all time? Yes. Losing $147 million yes. adjusted for inflation? <laughs> yeah, that's how I know that movie. Then we got Driven in 2001, <laughs> where Sylvester Stallone <laughs> drives... <laughs> Oh, God damn it. Sylvester Stallone is driven. I've seen that movie. To regret making this film. I've seen that movie. It's trash. Is it great? It's trash. <laughs> trash. I've heard, uh, I was reading that uh, it has extremely poor reviews, particularly from car enthusiasts. Like, they, you know, hate the way it portrays certain things or it's inaccurate or something. Yeah. I, what, what's your take on it? It's just trash? Just a trash film? It's barely coherent. It's, uh, oh, that's a good start. Professor Stallone uh, forgot how to act. I mean, he barely knew how before, but then like he got worse. Professor <laughs> <laughs> Stallone can only act as Rocky. I think that's yeah, it. Like seriously, because he is Rocky, right? <laughs> and I've never, I you barely ever see him doing good in any other movie. Yeah, basically. And it's the same case for that one. He's terrible right. in it. That's a bad movie. Two thousand four. Exorcist: The Beginning. Oh, are you familiar with this movie? I am familiar with that movie. Well. For those of you that aren't, this was a film that was made when the studio was disappointed with Paul Schrader's completed film of Exorcist the Beginning. He made it. It was done, and they're like, this sucks, and then they made it again. Crazy. A film that was ultimate, and that, like, the Rennie's retooling, which ended up being called Exorcist the Beginning, did so poorly that they just released Paul Schrader's version the following year anyway, under a different title. It was like Exorcist Origins Wolverine or something. I don't know what it was called. Anyway. The Exorcism of somebody. I forget their name. No, it still had like prequel to The Exorcist in the title. Oh, I'm really? pretty sure. Like something like that. It's still decidedly part of the franchise if we ever watch it, Jesby. So get ready for those two. That's going to be a painful double feature. Jesus Christ. I don't want to watch them both of the same episode, but anyway. <laughs> I don't watch Owen. Final film that this man's been nominated for a Razzie for. The Legend of Hercules in 2014. Yeah. Now, I, I want to make a distinction here because I know you know, I think you know that this is not the Rock one, but the Rock one came out that year. Yeah, 2014 was weird because it had two Hercules movies come out in the span of six months. Yeah, and they were both bad. They were both bad, but the Hercules was the rock one. Legend of Hercules was Remy's film right, over here. The one that came Rennie's out in, in film. Fuck You, It's January. Yeah, rock one came out in Fuck You, It's January, therefore earlier than the Legend of Hercules. Right. So it did better because A, came out first, B, had the rock. So Legend of Hercules bombed spectacularly because everybody was like, didn't that movie already come out? Also, this one doesn't have The Rock. Right. Didn't care about it. Uh, Basically, what I'm trying to say here is that in all films except Die Hard 2, Rennie Harlan is box office poison and should be avoided at all costs. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know how he keeps getting work. He's making a fucking film called Misfits next year with like Pierce Brosnan in it. He's still getting work. He's still making movies nonstop, endlessly. How the fuck? I don't know how after all these massive losses of money. <laughs> like at least four of those that I described were massive losses of money. The, the boys are the boys are sitting in their boardroom and they're like, "Fuck, we need somebody to direct this already pre-scripted trash." 
So yeah, he's probably just like the fall money. guy, right, if like, anything. Yeah, we can't really find anybody. Let's give him a call, and then, and then he just gets the job because they'd rather have at least somebody direct a movie. You know, like, let's get the guy who directed Die Hard too. Ah, so that's our uh, players making this film here. Uh huh. Let's talk about the movie itself. Yeah, I love how it starts because it's a jump scare. Yeah. <laughs> Like, like you just hit screen, you just, just hit play and then it just goes boom die hard 2 yeah. title for this it's like why is it so sudden and it's really loud too it's like really loud it's a jump scare yeah it was hilarious i've never seen a movie do that before mm-hmm. and then, then immediately they're like let's not fuck around yeah they don't fuck around they immediately it, it's a very fast paced movie yeah immediately goes to john mcclain's life getting fucked up by his car getting towed. Except it's not his car. Apparently it's his in-law's car, and he's pissed. Oops. Uh, he's, he's, he's pleading with the traffic officers, towing his car. He's like, oh, Hey, look, I'm a cop too, all right? And the cop's like, I don't get you a cop. I don't give a fuck if you're a cop. No, fuck you. I don't, I don't know why they have Italian accents yeah, in my brain. They, they don't. <laughs> we're in Washington, D.C., by yes, the way. we're in Washington, D.C. Uh, Will there ever be... A diehard film that actually takes place in New York, a place where John McClane is familiar with the location. I think so, actually. Okay, I don't know where uh, With a Vengeance takes place, so I guess we'll see. Yeah. So McClane uh, tells cop, I'm, I'm an L.A. cop, it's just a nice little reveal in the beginning of the movie. He, 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 kind of <laughs> he right works things out. You, yep, right there tells you work things out with his wife, and now he works in L.A. with but her. Life's too short. You could run into another terrorist attack randomly on Christmas again. <sighs> as he does. This is also a Christmas film. That motif isn't as pronounced as Die Hard 1, so I kind of hesitate to say that this is also a Christmas film, but it yeah, technically it has, is. It has a lot less to do with Christmas than the first one does. Yeah, Die Hard 1 definitely brings it into the score and into the yeah. set design. Right, it's a part of the movie. There's some of that here, but not as much. It's, it's barely... Yeah. You, like, once they... Besides all the snow that's obviously happening, uh-huh. uh, you get, like, one mention that it's Christmas, and you see, like, one Christmas tree, and that's it. Yeah. So just, they wanted to set it on Christmas again, because, ha-ha, Christmas, die hard. <laughs> like, it just has to. Right. I hope three doesn't take place on Christmas. It doesn't have to always take place on Christmas. Right. That just seems like John McClane is cursed. <laughs> To always be have a bad Christmas. Yeah. God hates him or something. I don't know. All right, so that happens. McLean, so McLean's already having a bad day, you know. And he's just trying to pick up his wife who's coming in from L.A. to visit the, the in-laws. Same actress as the first one. This yes. is Bonnie Bedelia as Holly McLean. Obviously, Bruce Willis is back playing John McLean. As he does every time. No one else should. No, never. They well, ever. I mean, I, hopefully they're done making Die Hard movies. But. God, I'm so- We'll see. I doubt it, but I hope so. Bruce Willis got to be like dead now, right? He's old. <laughs> Still in movies sometimes, though. Oh well, yeah, but I don't want him to. I don't want him to not be in movies. I just don't want them to ever make a Die Hard Six, right? Because apparently Die Hard Five was the worst thing ever. It's trash, from what I can tell. Can't wait. Can't so, wait to find out. It's exciting. Oh boy, it's a, it's will it be game. as? It, it can't be as bad as the worst like bottom two movies. No. No, so, so we'll close. see. Not even close. I feel like we're cursing ourselves. <laughs> no, I, I hope not. Doomed anyway. to repeat ourselves. Back to Die Hard 2, Die Harder. <laughs> die Hard as fuck. 
<laughs> yeah, die hard as fuck, bro. Just want that to say That's the sixth the- one. Die hard as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Put that shit on a DVD spawn, motherfuckers. <laughs> no balls. You won't do it, you Fox. You won't do it. Yeah, you want Slash to... Disney yeah, now. Did, did, no, oh, that's the real reason why oh, we're not going to six. There isn't going to be a Die Hard 6. No, never. Disney, Disney ain't going to make an R-rated fucking... No, Disney ain't doing shit. yippee Kaye motherfucker movie. They're not yeah. going to do that. The amount of times McLean drops the F-bomb in this movie is great. Dude, there's a lot of swearing in this one to yeah. an excessive well, amount, a but shit ton compared I to dug it because all the fun. characters are really harsh and dickheads, basically. Yeah. Like, basically, even the good guys. Everybody's a Really harsh dick. It's great. <laughs> it's what's enjoyable about Die Hard. It's like everybody's a piece of shit, basically. I'm, a, I'm I'm jiving with it. It's fun. Yeah, it's a fun it's, action. It makes film. it makes for a good time. It makes a lot of good chemistry between these characters who just fucking hate each other mm. and kind of learn how to have to work with each other. It's fun. Right. So we at the airport. Yes. Yeah, so waiting for wifey to land. Yeah. So uh, he calls her on the phony phone. Like, oh look, it's the nineties. Remember payphones? Uh, wow, you had to pay to use the phone. Fuck you, capitalism. Jesus. You get your change back in a payphone. How? It dispenses it out. You put the change in. You know, Have you ever used a payphone? Yeah, I thought it just took your money. No, it just... It, I think it does take your money, no. Justin. You have to pay to use payphones. That's why it's called a payphone. No, you can, like, most of them, you get your money back. You... You sure? Yeah. Maybe ones at like an airport. No, you put your you put your change in, right? It's like a quarter or whatever, right? I'm having a fucking crisis in my brain right well, now. Well, look it up. <laughs> you put you put the quarter in, right? And then you, you you do your call, and when you hang up the phone, the quarter spits back out of the return slot, and you get your quarter back usually. I'm sure there's some that I'm getting ads to buy a payphone. I'm sure there's some that like eat your money, but like usually they give it back. It's just something that's like a placeholder to activate the phone. Those are the only payphones I've ever messed with in my life. I'm pretty now, sure it now, just takes your money. Justin. We're millennials, so like, while we're while we were, you know, the times we used payphones, they were going extinct already. But I've only ever used three payphones in my life, and every single one gave me the quarterback or the fifty cents back <sighs> that you put into it. I don't think so. Yeah, at least at least the ones I've used. I'm telling you. They gave you change back. Are you, are you are you still looking up shit about payphones? I, I all I'm saying is that it's just inserting money, or by billing using a credit or debit card, or a telephone card. Those were really popular if you remember those. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think you just have to pay usually. I guess I use weird payphones then. I'm sure there's the some that were cool with the invention of them not being profitable anymore right. <laughs> when cell phones get, there, became a thing. There used to be one down at the uh, corner store that we go to. The Circle K. Yeah, there, when, back when it was called Dairy Mart, um, <laughs> there, was a, there was a payphone sitting outside there, and I've used it before to give me my money back. Well, I don't know. I think this point's pretty moot and irrelevant. Payphones. Payphones. Bruce Willis, John McClane. Dude, Simpsons on TV. Do Seinfeld. <laughs> it nineties. Ooh, nineties. Faxing is new. He has a pager. Whoa. Bro. Yeah. A, you must be making. John McClane must be making the big bucks to have that kind of pager, baby. Fucking cops, am I right? That fucker's ringing. He's like, oh fuck, goddamn it. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Who gave me this stupid fucking pager anyway? God damn it. Is that, a, is that your vape? Just be through his vape like an idiot. 
yelling about pagers. <laughs> anyway, he uses the future, bro. Yeah, dude. John McClane hates technology. I can't wait to get to a more modern Die Hard movie. And he's like, "What the fuck is this?" To a cell phone, and his son's like, "Dad, oh, are you an Kutcher's idiot?" Funny. Ashton Kutcher's in the fourth one. Yeah, oh, I hate it. It's funny. All right. Well, I mean, that movie's bad, but it's funny because <laughs> like, because like, there's a dynamic in that movie. Like, <clears throat> Ashton Kutcher's like Hacker Man. Oh God. And then he's like. He is Steve yeah, Jobs. Yeah, and then yeah, John McClane's like grumbling about technology while Steve Kutcher's hacking the shit. Or I whatever. hope that never changes. Like he seems like he's an old man even in the first one, right? Uh, even though he's not. <laughs> Maybe that's just a leftover from him being an old man in the book. So they just kept him hating technology. But fuck it, whatever works. Uh, it's like it gives you the idea that John McClane's just a simple man, and he gets thrown into complicated shit that pisses him off. Yeah, you know. Okay, boomer. Right. <laughs> anyway. He calls his wife, they dab a little chit chat, like, oh, I see you soon, sweet cakes. And then he hangs up the Ew. phone. <laughs> see you soon, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> and then he, uh, and then we see the terrorists. Yeah, let's talk about them briefly. Yeah, we got go naked guy. <laughs> We got uh, Naked Guy doing karate. Woo! Uh, let's see. I wrote down everybody. Wrote down basically everybody. Everybody has a story. <laughs> everybody has something for me to d- dunk on them with. Hell not yeah, really. Dude. Not really. Uh, this is William Sadler as the villain Colonel Stewart. You know who he was? Hmm. He's a Grim Reaper in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Oh. Did you know that? Nope. He was Haywood in the Shawshank Redemption. That's kind of what I recognized him from, yeah. actually. I knew I recognized his face, but I couldn't really place it. Right, me neither. Okay. okay. More recently, he was the president in Iron Man 3. Uh, oh. He will reprise his role as the Grim Reaper in next year's Bill and Ted Face the Music, a reboot of an old franchise that I'm actually looking forward to. Yeah, because they're doing the whole thing. Instead of, like, some of these other ones where they're like, uh, just, uh, you know. Yeah, like Dumb and Dumber 2 where they're right. still the same characters entirely. Right. It, it seems like part of the whole, like, point of the movie is to kind of make fun of these revival films and, like, make them so they're, like, really old and more incompetent. Yeah, I'm okay with it. Fun. I hope that it's good. I have a lot of faith in modern Keanu Reeves, so. He's got a great track record. He's the man. He's been great. Gets to be Tumbleweeds in the Spongebob movies. So <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, that is the funniest fucking thing I've ever seen. He's just in everything. Yeah. Please, uh, put him in everything. I'm all right with it. Love Keanu Reeves. He's, good, like, he's a good guy. Good lad. Make him our president. Make him just fight foreign leaders with kung fu. <laughs> he has a new girlfriend, apparently. And a lot of people were like, her hair, she has gray hair. A lot of people yeah. are like, oh my gosh, please do somebody so old. And like, Keanu Reeves is older Keanu than Reeves her. Keanu Reeves is like fucking 50-something, he's right? older than her. Yeah, just because he's an action star. He just dyes his hair, guys. He's doing the responsible Hollywood actor thing. As opposed to like doing a Leonardo DiCaprio where you're 50 and you're dating like a 17-year-old. Right. <laughs> you dating know? somebody like his age. Yeah, that's that's respectable. And I can respect him for doing and, that. And still helping old ladies out in, in, in Canada and shit. He's a good guy. He's a really good lad. So anyway, he's not in this film. 
No, but goddamn, I love talking about Keanu Reeves. I don't know why we're getting so distracted. I actually want to talk about Die Hard 2. Yeah. This is usually our shtick when we don't want to talk about a bad movie. Right. But I do want to talk about she keeps this. Coming. Let's keep going then. Tell me about these terrorists. Uh, I, I Well, I guess like the only other ones I could mention is like, so there's like a lot of like underlings that are played by like, there's two that are played by famous people yeah. who weren't famous yet, and I think that's why they're in this. Mm-hmm. John Leguizamo is one of them. Yes. And Robert Patrick is one of them. Right. Uh, this was before they became famous. Like, Robert Patrick is obviously the T-1000 right. in T-2. Yeah, I remember we saw him, we were like, oh, shit! And John Leguizamo's rise to fame was uh, the Super Mario Brothers movie? Yeah, baby. I guess... <laughs> But whatever, he's been in a bunch of stuff since then, including John Wick. Ah, we're back to talking about Keanu yeah. Reeves, <laughs> and I and we will be back to talking about Keanu Reeves again because our terrorist's goal is to rescue the, uh, the dictator slash drug lord man. Yeah, his this is a uh, Franco Nero playing General. Ramon Esperanza. Now, yeah. Franco was the OG Django in the film Django, and then Django Strikes Again. More recently, he cameoed in Django Unchained, because obviously that's named referentially right. to that film. And John Wick 2. He plays Julius, the head of the Rome Continental. Oh, okay, yeah. He says, uh, just tell me one thing, John. Are you here for the Pope? <laughs> That's him. That's that guy. So yeah, we're just gonna talk about John Wick now because it's. I fucking good. love John Wick, dude. Want to put it on the wheel one of these days, but I'm gonna wait. Wait a while. Yeah. It'd be, it'd be nicer. Like, to just wait for them to be like six of them because they'll get to that point, like next year. Yeah, next year. Yeah. <laughs> they're gonna make a spinoff, and they're already making four. So like, yeah, we're getting to that point. Oh, yeah. We're getting to that point. But at least it's been yeah. consistent. So, our terrorism man's plot becomes pretty apparent pretty quickly here. Uh, Bruce Willis is hanging out at the airport, and he notices some suspicious activity. Got some boys exchanging weird-looking gift wrap presents and carrying them out. He's like, I don't like this. And he goes up to uh, a couple airport cops sitting at a a bar. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, guys, I want to check this guy. It turns around. This is the guy who towed his car. He's like, nope. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it wouldn't have helped anyway, because they probably would have just not cared, because apparently all the cops are like... Dicks? Yeah. Which is like similar theme from Die Hard 1. The cops are incompetent and dickheads. Everyone is. Yeah. Besides John McClane. Right. It's fun. (laughs) Well, the terrorists kind of know what they're doing. Yeah. They're pulling off some crazy shit in this movie. Oh, my God. The yeah, situation is under their control, decidedly. And if it wasn't for Die Hard Man, not from Metal Gear, but John McClane. <laughs> Sam, stop a terrorist from hacking the airport. By drinking Monster Energy. <laughs> and pissing, and on, pissing on the terrorist. <laughs> uh, if Death Stranding was any other concept, that would be weird. Well, it is weird. But, like, if you were fighting anything except, like, metaphysical demons, (sighs) 
So, anywho, we have a little fight scene in the baggage claim yes, kind of area, so or like sorting they area. They go to the baggage claim area. He sees Not the claim. Going. It's like a background sorting warehouse kind of yeah, area. It, yeah. it's, it's how they load the, the carry-on. <clears throat> it's a good fight scene. He's yes. just like grabbing random shit like a bicycle and a suitcases. Yeah, they're falling about in the conveyor belt. Hitting and like, people, yeah, yeah. Punching each other and shit. All kinds of shit's getting shot up, and it's crazy. Mm-hmm. So McLean gets one of them. Yeah. Crushes his head in a... Right. Yeah. And then he goes after the other one and loses him. Because the cops show up, and they're like, they, they, they can't tell what Hands up, what. idiot. And he's right. like, oh, fuck, I dropped my badge. It's on the way to Canada, or whatever. Cleveland is what he's saying. Oh, that's right. Yeah. He's really quippy in this movie. He's incredibly quippy. This movie got an injection, injection of Joss Whedon syndrome. It's like, he, John McLean is quipping like every 10 minutes in this movie. Yeah. There is like 120 quips in this film. <laughs> I can't even complain. Because like, it's his character. It's fine. But he didn't do it as much in the first one is all. No, not nowhere yeah. near as much. He had a lot more serious dialogue actually in the first one. Yeah, I mean, he was like he made a lot of sarcastic dick comments, but they weren't like quips. Yeah, like it is in this. And we had like a lot of more serious dialogue, like with uh, Al Powell, who's in this movie. We see him in a minute, yeah, briefly. Um, it's like a cameo, basically, played by the same dude, Reginald. <laughs> and uh, yeah, because uh, McLean is told not to investigate further. Yep, but he by this guys. by asshole cop man. Right now, asshole cop man. This is uh, Dennis Franz as antagonistic cop Captain Lorenzo. Yeah, Franz is most famous for playing Detective Andy Sipowicz on NYPD Blue for uh, twelve seasons and two hundred and sixty-one episodes. Damn, that's a lot of television. Ugh. I'm sure your boomer parents loved it. I'm sure. Um, <laughs> this show's possibly getting a sequel series next year. Is it called NYPD Green? <laughs> no, it's called NYPD Blue. And I don't know. I, I don't care. <laughs> but anyway. NYPD Dark Blue? I just brought it up because I saw a trend of actors in this movie being featured in a sequel to something they were previously in, possibly coming out soon. Because mm. you got... Grim Reaper coming back in Bill and Ted. I don't know if uh, this guy's coming back in NYPD Blue or not, but then you also got um, the uh, the military guy who we'll talk about later when it's relevant. Right. Yeah. So, after McLean proves to them that he's a cop, Benjamin starts talking to Captain Lorenzi. <laughs> Tell him I that, like him. Yeah, I don't true. like him. But I like this performance right. because, man, he's such an unlikable asshole. The dude yeah. pulls it off expertly well <laughs> in making him almost the antagonist of this film. Right. Until he's... the end. And I liked those those moments, too, where he finally kind of, like, turned over a new leaf, I guess. At least for the last five minutes of the film. McLean. Well, it's like he never really seen this guy. It's a pill battle. Yeah, just hears about him from like legends and shit from the everything that happened to first Die Hard. Yeah, it's cool how often they reference that and they're like, "Listen, I know you're some hot shot that did this, but fuck you. This is my town." And blah blah yeah, blah. And that's basically what Lorenzo tells him. Like, get the yeah. fuck out of here. Yeah, just because you're on TV, but right. Clean like yeah, whatever. So he didn't direct disobey of uh, 
of good old Captain. He goes Lorenzo. and gets the fingerprints himself. Right. He gets the fingerprints off the corpse, sends him over scene. to a good friend, Twinkie Man. <laughs> Twinkie Man eating Twinkies still in L.A. Yeah, but he, Delicious. He had three Twinkies in his hand, opening one. Phone rings. He's like, oh, fuck, got to stop eating my Twinkie. <laughs> Picks up the phone. It's John McClane. Got to run the prints. Has to learn how to use a fax. Does it. He makes comment like, ooh, oh, John McClane using a fax machine. Everybody knows he's a dinosaur. Yeah. So this fax contains information that uh, is contradictory because this man has already been dead before John McClane killed him. Right. Eh, that don't make no sense. But he's part of some military unit. Yeah, apparently what it is, what you can gather from that, is that these guys faked their own deaths. To work for right. recently uh, disgraced yes. from his job, military right. man. Yes, I believe. Yes, that's what happened. And uh, I was kind of shaky on their actual reason for siding with uh, like a Mexican drug lord man. I don't know what necessarily is going on in this movie. Good thing is it doesn't matter too much because yeah. it's just you know yay explosions kind of movie. Right. Yeah, it matters a lot less. Like in the first time, you kind of, you kind of. You understand Hans Gruber's motivations, and there's kind of a twist about them where they're kind of just thieves, and that's it. But I liked that twist a lot. It was like you were expecting something more complex, and then it was actually really simple. They're t- posing as terrorists as a distraction. In this, they actually are being terrorists for sure. Oh yeah. But their motivations for siding with this man are kind of unclear. Maybe they just hung out with him <laughs> and liked him. I don't know. They met Colonel Kurz and they're like, yeah, we like what's going on here. Let's go hang out in the Bahamas. <laughs> you know, we gotta, gotta all, gotta all do a, pull off a big airport heist here. Yes. Yeah. So, you, you get a couple scenes of them hooking up equipment and shit. And, uh, they go to a church and kill an old guy. Yes. And, uh, take over the church because the church has a, uh, power line or something that they can disconnect it's, it's a it's a connection line running from the runways yes apparently it, it goes through the through the church let them cut the runway the power so now all the planes in the air including one with john mcclain's wife on it uh, cannot land yeah, and they have they to circle up, endlessly right they set up all the power to be all the controls for the power to be routed through them in their base in the church yes yes and so they take over the controls of the entire airport at this point uh, john mcclain has uh, gotten back into the face of uh, of Lorenzo because he has these, these evidence for the prince. Like, explain this, fucko. He meets his higher up. Yes. This is Fred Thompson as flight director Ed Trudeau. Now, Fred passed away in 2015. Yes. Usually plays government or military leaders, which makes sense, I guess. Seeing as how he was a Republican senator. Right. Fred um, Thompson was in a lot of law and order, too. Yes, he was. Yes. Uh, he represented Tennessee from 1994 to 2003, and he ran for president in 2008, yeah. losing to John McCain. Yeah, it was funny. Uh, <laughs> I remember that shit. <laughs> yeah. His campaign was terrible. He posthumously appears in the film God is Dead 2, because of course he does. Because of course he does. <laughs> um, but whatever. Politics aside... He's okay in this, I suppose. 
He is a solid enough leader man who isn't as incompetent as Lorenzo, but also isn't that competent. Right, it's the usual Fred Thompson performance. It's sure. Like one of the mill for him. It's your standard old Republican man performance. Right. But he's playing an old Republican man, so I guess, hey, it worked out. That's <laughs> usually what they cast him in. He's a very good typecast. Yeah. He's like, oh, here's government leader position. Guy's not too bright, but he loves his country. <laughs> and you just put him in. He would die it. hard if given the chance. Right. McLean don't, though. McLean's just like, I gotta get out of this situation all the time. Like, I just go yeah. and get my wife and get the fuck yeah. out of here. I didn't give a fuck about this. That's the great thing about this. He doesn't give a fuck about this guy. It's the same thing with the first Die Hard. Doesn't give a fuck. Well, he gives a fuck about the innocent people's lives in danger. Right. Right? He is a hero in that respect. Like He he does feel really awful when uh, the terrorists unleash their first threat successfully right. pretty soon here. I'm just saying he doesn't, he doesn't care about, like, he doesn't care about the fucking drug lord. <coughs> he cares about, like, lives being saved and getting his fucking wife back. Yeah, well, that's his primary motivation, because right. that's what matters to him. But he still does actively save people. I'm yeah. cool with it. You're every man hero, man. Right. He says fuck. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> Quite a lot. So... Yeah, so they take over the entire controls for the airport, and they say, all right, there are no lights at the runways, your planes can't land. Mm-hmm. Fuck we you guys. Want, we, want, we want drug cartel man. We He's going to land in a place of our choosing. We're going to take him off the plane. Right. We're going to put him on a 747 that you will give us, and then we're going to fuck off. And if you don't uh, adhere to our demands or try to do anything about it, we're going to start killing these people. In these planes. That's a lot of people up there because they're commercial flights. Mm -hmm. And what's um, the first thing they do? Oh, they try to stop it. Right. Now, uh, this is a good time to talk about another key side character here. Uh, I didn't write down much about him, but I thought it was funny what I wrote down. Art Evans, communications director Leslie Barnes. Art has been in a ton of things. I just want to point out he was killed by Christine and Christine and that's it. I just want to tell you guys that. That's all. <laughs> Thank you. So he has some kind of plan to hook up to a satellite that's out in the uh, in the newly developed wing of the airport to, uh, to yeah, uh, hit some codes on a walkie-talkie. I don't know. Anyway, McLean is kicked out of the briefing room. Yep. And uh, he's just like, well, fuck it. I'm going to go... You know, oh, he does the elevator trick again. Yeah, that's it, right. It's diehard yeah. time. He said there's a reporter in the elevator with him who also got thrown out. And he yeah. starts climbing up the elevator, and she's like, what the hell are you doing? He's like, don't worry, I've done this before. And <laughs> it's a good, it's a good, part, good line. I like how, like, weirdly, like, how do you make a sequel to Die Hard after this one? Because this one is so self-referential to the point that this is happening again. Yep, and he talks about it a lot. He's it. like, how the fuck's the same thing happen to the guy, same guy twice? He's yeah. like, he's like pissed that he's in a sequel to Die Hard. Right. <laughs> like, so like, how do you keep, so fun. how do you keep making these movies then? Because this is like, in many ways, a really good sequel because it kind of references the fact that making a sequel is stupid. Because, right. <laughs> it's, it's not as low, it's not as high key as like a Gremlins 2 where you kind of just shit post a sequel but but it certainly has its moments where it uh 
points out the irreverence of making a sequel to Die Hard. Right. While still being okay. Yeah. And I and I, I appreciate that greatly, honestly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So he figures out about this plan to uh get the satellite back. He uh he finds a janitor man. Oh yes, Marvin. Yeah. Uh insane man? Very very uh, fan. Uh, this is Tom Bauer as Marvin the janitor. Uh-huh. Uh, we recently saw him in El Camino. He played nosy neighbor of uh, Todd. Yes. Yeah. I didn't recognize him, but uh, he plays that part well, too. Uh, I, I, he's not bad as Marvin. It's just that that character gets a little cartoonish as the movie goes on. You could tell that they were like, yeah, we'll have him be... The comedic relief, even though the entire movie is basically the comedic relief. Right. <laughs> it's strange. Because it's just silly. Right. But hey, whatever. Um, he gives him, like, I don't know, a map or tells him, him where to go. Yeah. Um, McLean will end up here at several points in the film for some like reason. Three more times. <laughs> it's like his save spot. Yeah, <laughs> like, really is. Save your progress. It's so funny. At Marvin's janitor's <laughs> shed. Uh, Sweet God. And then he goes to our next uh, level, which is the firefight. Uh, the dude's trying to hook up the uh, hacker man shit. But there's satellite. some terrorists there. Yeah, McLean easily figures out, like, oh, this is a trap. I need to go save them. The trap being that they send their SWAT team, all their best guys, to this location, and they get all fucking yep, they murdered choke out. by Robert Patrick, John Leguizambo, and the rest of the terrorism squad. Yeah. Uh, man, these guys are really good. They kill a whole SWAT team with not even breaking a sweat. And then John McClane manages to kill all of them by rolling around like a jackass. With a pistol. <laughs> While getting shot at a lot, but no shot connects. There's, there's stormtroopers around McClane, man. He's gotten, in these two movies, he's so far gotten shot once. Yeah. And also, he just shrugged that injury off. He just waited until his health regained. Like, Die Hard's a video game, basically. Yeah, it absolutely yeah. is. He just went back to his house and did a sleep, and then he was at full health, basically. Yep. Save your game. Just <laughs> Marvin's shed. I love this little action sequence here. It's pretty fun. My favorite part of it is when the guy is starting to go after McLean and says, I'm going to kick your ass. <laughs> <laughs> and then he doesn't because McLean shoots him. <laughs> so so McLean killed everyone. He's like, Everything's well. cool. Now it's time for the military to get involved, I think. Or maybe that's a no, little later. So I'm trying. I see, this, the movie has a weird flow to it. Yeah, here's a sequence of events. <laughs> after he kills all the terrorist guys there. Um, the uh, you just about the the other guy still. still oh, the laughing. terrorists respond to them trying to fuck yeah, with them. Yeah, that's so, what it is. Right. So they start trying to get everything back. He tries to get the satellite stuff up. This they have the satellite rigged to blow. It explodes. And they're yeah. Like, oh fuck! What now? So they know what happened because they they were prepared for it. Mm-hmm. And like, okay, here's your first consequence. We're gonna trick this plane. Into thinking it's okay to land because we've hacked into our, their communications and go like, hey, it's okay to land right here. And it's all fucked up. And then uh, they uh, do something where, like, they think that they're higher than they are. Yeah. And so it, so it makes them, like, try to get set straight in position a lot later, so they just crash. They're the not ready to land right. when they land. 
and McLean goes out and tries to flag down this plane with torches yep. and stop it, but he fails, and this entire plane of people all fucking dies. It's like 200-something people. That's a high body count for this movie. I don't know if they'll get this high again, but uh, Eclipse's Die Hard 1's body count by a few hundred. <laughs> yeah. That don't mean this guy's as good, as good as a bad guy as Hans Gruber. I'm just he's saying. Not. No, he's really not. He's not written as well. No, not nowhere um, close. But that happens. McLean uh, gives out a really funny cry. Yeah. So this is where they try to make him like be really sad, and it, it's a laughably bad performance from Bruce Willis here. He's really good in these movies so far, but. Only when he's doing certain things. Like, this distraught Bruce Willis doesn't work at all. No, not it's, a bit. It's funny, in fact. Yeah. Um, oh, well. So Fred Thompson, after that's over, tries to go comfort him, whatever. Um, then the military shows up. Yeah. They call the military a little bit earlier. They finally show up to help set things right. We meet the military leader. This is John Amos. Yes. As Major Grant. Now, you may recognize John. He played John Evans Sr. Senior in Good Times. <laughs> <laughs> he played Kunta Kinte in Roots. Yep. The old one. Uh, and most importantly, he it's plays Cleo McDowell in Coming to America. <laughs> yeah. And this is the weird pattern we have here. He will reprise his role as Cleo McDowell in next year's Coming to America, the number two. That's happening. Sweet God. Everyone's back except John Landis, and that's a pretty solid choice <laughs> for me. Uh, maybe it'll be good. I don't know. Eddie Murphy seems like he gives a shit now. That Dolomite movie is apparently very good. I need yeah. to watch that. Well, uh, yeah, that looks great, actually. <laughs> um, it's out. I want to watch it. Thinking about it. But uh, I might watch some Dolomite movies first so I have more context. Because, like, you know, it's from the writers who did Ed Wood. Yes. And I think Ed Wood is best if you're, like, at least sort of familiar with what Ed Wood movies look like and how fucking shit they are. So that you know how weird it is before you understand like the weirdo making them right uh ed wood's fantastic by the way that's like my favorite tim burton film by a large margin yeah it's super fucking i mean he does have a lot of good movies don't get me wrong not lately but he does have a lot (laughs) charlie and the chocolate oh yeah that's clearly everyone's favorite i love that all the oompa loompas are just one guy yeah i love it Great. Just kidding, I fucking hate it. Fuck you for bringing that up. <laughs> anyway. Military. Military. So they show up to help. Um, and what they do is, once again, they In quotation to, marks, right. help. Once again, they just kind of push McLean off to the side, and he's just kind of pissed off about it. He wants Dude to respects something. McLean, though. Says he has balls. But uh, kind of just like, you know, this is my show. Let me run it, Yeah, let bitch. the big boys handle it. He's like, yeah, whatever, yeah. fuck you. But McLean ain't taking no for an answer. Mm-hmm. He's he's employing the Danny Glover method of police work, where you just uh, don't give a shit what your superiors right. tell you to do. Uh, what does he do next? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, me too. 
This part where he gets a little bit sketchy. He goes... <laughs> They're trying to land the dictator right. so they can pick him up. McLean figures this out. Like, I think he finds one of their walkies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. here's what happens. Yeah. So he figures it out, right, that they are trying to get to the dictator, right? So they goes, goes and visit good old Marvin again. Uh-huh. And uh, while he's trying to get the map to get out to the plane, he figures out that Marvin has one of the walkie-talkies. Right. He's like... They stole him from Marvin. Right. That That's what... They're on the same channel. Okay. Right. That's what it was. So he gets that walkie-talkie so he knows what they're communicating. He goes... Uh, he goes to intercept their landing. Right. Yeah. And he does. Yeah. But meanwhile, the dictator guy kills everybody else on that plane. And right. lands successfully with the help of the other people. Um, I guess he's a pilot. I guess he's going to be the pilot that takes them out of there. Right. <sighs> Talented man, that Django. <laughs> Uh, but John's like fuck that shit and he like (laughs) in this great moment the the dictator gets out of the plane and goes freedom and then John McClane punches him in the face yes it's great but uh a little tussle all the terrorists show up immediately right and that kind of puts a wrench in the gears of Bruce Willis's plan here because he didn't expect him to show up that fucking quick they shoot the shit out of this plane that Bruce Willis is currently hiding in. They throw grenades into it. A lot of them. And Bruce Willis is like, oh, I'm fucked. Yep. But he finds the ejection seat. And he ejects from that plane just as it's exploding. In quite possibly the best moment of this film. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> it kind of looks like shit now. But that really made it funny. As Bruce Willis is going away from this giant screen filling explosion, going, Oh shit! (laughs) (laughs) On clearly a green screen (laughs) in front of this explosion. It's so funny. It's it's fantastic. This movie is schlock and a half. So you you land successfully somehow. Parachutes. Yep. Lands inside the parachute and then they ADR'd in him saying where's the fucking door and I don't know why they did that what do you mean door what the fuck are you he's trying to get out of the parachute I get I I get the shitty joke but they probably didn't have to do it because when he said it I was still laughing at him saying oh shit right on a shitty green screen (laughs) (laughs) so whatever So, so yeah. We realize that they showed up so quick that that means that the terrorists have to be close with their base of operations. So where are they at? Well, your boys John McClane and uh, fuck, what's his name? Leslie Barnes. Yep. Head out to the town, the nearby town, to search for where the fuck could these terrorists be? And after searching a couple houses, they find that hey, maybe it's at this church. It's at the church. It is. Yeah. And meanwhile, there's a side plot developing on uh, on McLean's wife's plane. Yes. Where the, uh, the news We guy, haven't talked about this yes. yet. News guy from the first one's there who we didn't talk about in Die Hard 1 hardly at all because it's a really understated C plot. Right. Um, this is... William Atherton as reporter Richard Thornburg in both of them. He, he was just kind of like a really minor C-plot in Die Hard 1 where he was re- trying to report on the Nakatomi right, building stuff. he just stuff. uses a device to get them to reveal who McLean is? Yes. Um, 
which kind of fucks over everything in that movie. And McLean's wife kind of hates him and has a restraining order against him. Or no, he has a restraining order against her. She beat his ass. Because she beat his ass after he put her children on national television. Right. And she viewed that as putting her kids in danger. Kind of was. You know, the terrorists fucking kidnapped her immediately in Die Hard 1. Right. What, what if they did something to their, her kids, too? I completely understand her logic. This guy is a scum fuck. So he's trying to report on this shit that's going on while he's in the plane. He yep, figures he, it out somehow. He figures out to get to a secret channel where uh, where the base has been communicating with the planes. Yes. Gets all the information of what's going on and then goes to the press about it. Yeah, while on the plane. Right. And they report it on the news. And this kind of leads to everyone in the airport freaking out. It starts inciting panic. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, dude. Uh, he gets tased. We forgot to establish Taser, but the movie didn't. The movie establishes Taser, because Holly's sitting next to a crazy grandma. Yep. Violently crazy grandma who has Taser and said she used it on her fucking dog. Um, okay, okay movie. Beat the shit out of her. She's the most evil person in this movie, and... This is a movie with terrorists who killed 200 people. <laughs> hey, but, but shocking her dog just to test to taser is fucked up. Shoot this old lady in the head. Anyway. <laughs> God. <laughs> That's crazy. Don't do that. Well, yeah. God. Well, yeah. Your dog just tase it and shit. What are you, a psychopath? Yeah, she clearly is. She's a psychopath. You crazy ass old lady. <sighs> what are you going to do? Don't forget to give Grandma her pills or else she'll tase the dog, okay? Thank yeah, you. Yeah, so while Dumb Newsman is trying to get this news out to the rest of the world, mm-hmm. we have our, our lads arriving at the church. Immediately, McLean's trying to sneak up. Yeah. And his fucking pager goes off. Oops. And then he gets into a scrappy scrap. Then the other dude, it's like, oh shit, calls up the army. Army shows up. Dr. McLean gets done uh, being this dude's ass by shoving an ice pick in his eye. This is the best kill in film history. It's pretty good. <laughs> it's up there. It's so stupid. I loved it. Can you kill a man with an icicle? I suppose you could. Yes, you could. Yeah. That shit could be sharp. It could penetrate skin. Especially right. an eye. And then, yeah, he stabs Sick. him in the eye, kills the dude. And then McLean looks over and it goes, ah! That's, <laughs> like, well, that makes just, sense, just honestly. He He's did. just grossed out by the method of killing he chose to do. Stressful situation. Yeah. And then military shows up, <coughs> um, cuts inside to all the terrorist guys who are left. Uh, they they switch rounds and Time to, their guns. And yeah. They switch from uh, uh, red tape like a clip with red tape on it or a clip of blue tape on it you're like hmm what does that mean yeah that's weird huh mm-hmm. hmm so the yeah. army gets into a little scrappy scrap with them they go to get away on a bunch of stumblebills yep. and then, uh McLean, McLean gets, gets one don't you worry yeah, he, he steals one of their guns right yep um and he shoots at them and it doesn't do anything yep and then he crashes real fucking hard Crash hard, if you will. Yep. Uh, Crash hard, man. <laughs> and so he's he, like, I swear to God, I shot them. Huh? And here we get the reveal. Military leader John Amos, man. He working with the terrorism's mans. 
Oh shit. Slits the throat of the one person who wasn't on board. This is a good twist, actually. I didn't expect it. No, me neither. Um, I just expected the entire arc of this character to be he's antagonistic towards John McClane. Yeah. But then he's not. Then he appreciates John McClane, and that was it. I thought that was going to be his entire character arc. But no, he's actually a bad guy working with them. Succeeded at being a twist to me. I know you've already seen Die Hard 2, so perhaps you anticipated it. Unless you forgot. Nope, I I already knew about this plot. This is one of the biggest parts of the whole... I remember the last, like, 30 minutes of this movie much more than anything else in it. Sure. Because it's the big action I feel like that makes sense, because it's the most significant 30 minutes, probably. Yeah. Which is pretty much where we're at now. So... You have that whole reveal happening. He, uh... McLean takes it back to the... To the airport... Asshole cop shoots yeah. at asshole cop. Right, because asshole cop doesn't, doesn't believe do him at first. He's like, yeah. "All right, fuck you." Shoots at him with the Uzi. The dude starts flipping the fuck out, and it's like, "Hey, it's blanks." Yeah, and the cop's like, "Oh fuck, we're gonna have to take care of this ourselves." And he finally steps into gear and becomes good cop instead of bad cop, right? Or at least productive cop <laughs> instead of unproductive cop, right? So they get the. F- fuck out of that airport but this is when the uh massive panic is happening so right, as soon as mclean and asshole cops start driving out they hit a taxi immediately which is a pretty good scene because we immediately get people going like what the fuck get the fucking thing out of the way yeah. <laughs> they're all yelling at each other everybody's yelling fuck get the fucking taxi cab out of the way you fuck what the fuck <laughs> It's a lot of fuck, man. But McLean's just like, wait, I got an idea. He sees the reporter lady from earlier who was bugging him because she's like, that's John McLean. And then was trying to figure out stuff about what was happening at the airport. Right. And he's like, hey, I'll give you a story if you let me get in that helicopter. And they get in the helicopter and they go to the plane that terrorists are trying to hold up in. Right. And they're getting ready to take off. And McLean's like, hey, stop the airplane. And the dude's like, I'm in a helicopter. What? <laughs> and I agree with this man. He yeah. will die you, you hard, if you up. will. He will die hard. Very hard. I don't think the guy wants to die hard. Very hard. But McLean's like, fuck it, I'll die hard. Just lower, lower enough so that I can jump on the plane and get in that way. While it's moving. Yep. Sweet Jesus. If this wasn't a video game before... It is 100% of a video Now it 100% is, because he's infiltrating a plane that's just about to take off. Yep. Drops down, yeah. he uh, shoves his coat into one of the flaps to stop it from running to make it harder for them to take off. Uh-huh. They take notice, and they go out there to fight him. Yep. Big military man fights him, but he gets sucked into the engine and dies yeah. hard, right. if you will. Quite. <laughs> Quite hard. Not for his country. Is that die soft? Yes. If you don't die for your country? Uh-huh. If you betrayed your country and then you died? Yeah. Die soft? Uh-huh. Okay. Can't wait for that spinoff. <laughs> die not hard. <laughs> die not hard. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> die over easy. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> that's stupid. Um, so that's what that gets a Then he gets attacked by a villain man. Naked guy. Not naked now. Too cold. Too cold. Uh, 
But he knows Kung Fu. We established that earlier. Right. So, so he starts beating John McClane's ass. John McClane has no chance. John McClane don't know Kung Fu. John McClane don't know what a fax is. Right. So like, he has he gets, no chance. So he gets knocked almost off the wing of the plane. Then he noticed the fuel dump. Yeah. Like, huh. So he's about to fall off the edge, but he grabs that fuel dump and dumps the fuel while falling off the plane. Yep, so now he's laying on the ground, and there's a big trail of fuel flowing out of this plane. He has a lighter on him. Yep. And he delivers his classic yippee Kaye motherfucker line and lights that shit up. Now, I don't know about the logistics of this. I don't know if this would work in wet snow. It would just explode. What uh, would explode? Like the, the, the gas. All yeah. Of Not just, it wouldn't just start a fire that just traces. It doesn't work like that. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Gas fumes just blow up. Yeah, so McLean would be dead. Right. Yeah. So don't try this at home. Right. If you find yourself in a similar situation, <laughs> don't try these this. Rules. Yeah. Rule number one, don't die hard. But don't die over easy either. Just don't die. Rule number one, don't die. Mm, very good, very good. That's my favorite spinoff to die hard. Don't die. Don't die. But anyway, in the comic book logic of die hard, <laughs> John McClane is able to kill all the terrorists in one fell swoop. With his magical lighter. It's a great scene. I love that they all explode. Yeah, it's, it's so great. dumb. It's, it's fun. <sighs> After that, the, the flames from that explosion. Oh, they light the runway. Yep. And then all the planes collect. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this is a more of a Christmas movie than I thought because... Goodwill Towards Men? No. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> he just blew up. Well, no, he has anti-goodwill towards those men, for sure. No, because John McClane, with your lighter so bright, God won't you guide our sleighs tonight? Fuck off. <laughs> then all the cops did love him. I don't know, I'm not doing the whole song, but you get my point. Right. That is a dumb point to make. So all the planes land, and he's like, oh, my wife's on there. Starts yelling her name. Holly! He's like limping around. He's all fucked <coughs> up. His ears messed up. He's blood caked all over his head. He's like, holy fuck, what the hell? He's like, ah, it's just another Christmas. Ah. He doesn't say that, but he I might as well. I die hard again, baby. <laughs> I die hard too. I died harder, baby. I die harder. And, uh. They do a big, uh, a smoothie smooch. They get back to airport. Cop is like, yeah. hey, is this your parking ticket? Ah, fuck it. Rips it up. Merry Christmas. And then Marvin pulls up. And then Marvin pulls up, and they get a ride from Marvin out of there. Which, uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> you just got your car back, John! Yeah. By the way, while some chaos was happening, Marvin said, wow, it's just like Iwo Jima. <laughs> Which is a yikes of a line if I've ever heard. Uh, yeah, one. Just a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. So tired too. I think it's a good movie. I think it's a lot of fun. It ain't no ten out of ten like Darher One is. No, but it's fun. It's probably not even a nine out of ten. No, well, I don't even know if it's an eight out of it's ten. Like a seven. But it's really fun, and I recommend it. You know, I, I, you know, I dismissed the sequels to Die Hard for years. I didn't even look at them. I have seen him light the plane thing before. Yeah. The Yippie Kaye. Um, I think because, uh, I, I think I've seen it with the edit where he says, 
Yippie Kaye, Mr. Felcher, or whatever the fuck yeah. it is. Are you familiar with this? I am. I don't know who Mr. Felcher is. No idea. Is he a character? Nope. I don't remember. <laughs> don't think so. I don't think he's a character in either of them. Nope. But anyway, fuck it. It's a lot of fun. I'd recommend watching it. Yeah. I Absolutely. think it gets overlooked in the pantheon of shitty action films. It's a pretty good one. Yeah. It is a shitty action film. Well, yeah, it's a shitty But it's a good action shitty film. action film, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. But yeah, next week. Die Hard with a Vengeance. Yep. This directed by the director of the first Die Hard before he went to jail. This is where it goes downhill, buddy. You ready? Is it bad as soon as this one? Yep. So is this one worse than two? Yeah. Hmm. I think so. Well, we'll see. All I know is the problematic scene. Mm. That's the only thing I know about Die Hard 3. I know what scene you're talking about. Oh, of course you do. Yep. It's problematic as fuck. <laughs> but anyway. Talk about that. Die Hard 2 is the second best one so far for me. That's a pretty obvious statement, though. And then, who, who you say our villains are, just to the, like, because I don't know who you say the main villain is, because it's, it's, the uh, hierarchy is somewhat confusing, because it's not the dictator general. No, it's Naked Man. It's Naked Man? Naked Man. Should we call him Naked Man? I forget his name, Naked Man. In the official rankings? Yeah. Naked Man. All right, so it's Hans Gruber. Number Naked one, Man. Naked Man. Number two, right? He might stay there. Naked Man was okay, not not nearly as good as Hans Gruber. Wasn't enough of a character. He was kind of just like a evil man, and they didn't do a whole lot to make me feel like he was an actual human being. But they don't really do that with any characters in this movie. No. It's kind of just a shit show, right? That's in a good idea. way. In That's a good the way. Idea. Yeah, it's fun. I don't blame him for going this direction with it. Uh, Die Hard 2, let me get my factoids up here, sorry, had a budget of $70 million, made a little more than that. It's low. <laughs> made uh, $239.5 million worldwide, dwarfing Die Hard's $141.5 mil. Right. Now, critically, it did less well, with most reviews saying it failed to live up to its predecessor, which is not an inaccurate statement, but uh, hey, what you gonna do? Hey, you. What's your <laughs> uh, Rotten Tomatoes rating sits at a 68%. That's all right. It's close to a yeah, 7 out of close. 10. That's close to where I put it. Uh, Roger Ebert gave it a better review than he gave one. <laughs> what a fucking madman. <laughs> Love Roger Ebert, dude. What the fuck is wrong with that he guy? He famously thought one was not that not, not, not that good. Pretty dumb. dumb. Uh, but then he said two was a lot of fun. Now, he, he still like said all the things that are bad are bad. Right. But... I th- he technically gave it a better review than the first one. I don't know if he retroactively liked the first one more, but I digress. <sighs> so anyway, next week, Die Hard. Er, er. Die Hardest. Die Hardest. No, that's the last one, Josby. You gotta save that for the weak sauce John Rambo 5 reboot that happens. Mm-hmm. Although I guess that already happened yeah, to did. this franchise. Yeah, it did. Fuck this shit. See you next time. Fuck. Die hard again. Die hard, 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 hard. Die harderest. Where's the prequel just called Die? It's it's Die Soft. (laughs)